Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you have a, still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 years or older, restrictions apply. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 195 of the Big Show of Some Enforcer Based Podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another wild Wednesday. Here we are, folks, halfway there, hump day. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, got, a, got a good one today, folks. Uh, another edition, another segment, be a segment or an addition to the season ticket series. Where I like to uh, get a guest on, whether it be a uh, well, hasn't been an ex-player yet, but it's going to be shortly. Uh, get either a fan or an ex-player on, and we focus on just that season and uh, you know and the league and what happened that year and that type of thing. I've done this previously with um, Jay from Iowa. We covered the UHL, the 0506 season, of the United Hockey League, and um, yeah, and and it was. Uh, um, it was received really well. A lot of people re- really enjoyed it, and uh, and uh, and, it, and it was just it's something different. I mean, obviously, it's still you know we talk the tough guys and the fights, and I mean, obviously, that's that'll always be the the point of this show. Will always be um, whatever you want to call it, enforcer specific. But um, you know, and there's only so many lists and uh, 
who's tougher than this guy and, and all that stuff that a person can do, you know, when we're closing in on 200 episodes, you know, outside of just player interviews and, uh, you know, which have been, um, not going to lie, have been tough to come by lately. Uh, you talk to people and it's just, people are busy and, uh, you know, it's, it's been a real grind, uh, getting players. Um, so, but not only that, but it was, um, yeah, it was just something different. Try something different. And I always said, if it doesn't, doesn't appear to be working, then we just won't, I won't do it anymore. It's not, you know, I'm not married to the project or anything, but it was just an idea that I came up with. And, uh, and like I said, the first one with, with Jay was, was a lot of fun and, and, uh, I thought went very successful and the feedback was strong. So thought, well, we'll keep it up. And, uh, today you're doing that. Um, I have Anthony, he lives out in Las Vegas and, uh, he was a Las Vegas Wrangler fan, uh, throughout the years. And, uh, I kind of told him, oh, that's cool. Like pick a year. So he picked the 2008, 2009 East Coast Hockey League season. And that's what we covered today. And, uh, we go through all the teams and, uh, you know, just talking with some of the crazy promotions that the Las Vegas team had and, uh, you know, and just some of the, and some of the, on the tough guys that were in the league and some of the things that happened. And, uh, um, Anthony did a great job. It was a lot of fun to have on. I talked to him for a really long time the other day and, um, yeah, it was cool. And, uh, it was interesting though. And, it, and I was saying how, um, these coast leagues are real unique, um, animal just due to the fact, like when I had Jay on and we did the United League, well, there's only six teams in the league or six or seven, whatever it was, six teams, I think. And like, you know, they all play each other. So you see everybody and Jay was fortunate enough to, he had been to every rank and, um, blah, 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 you know, whereas, you know, the East Coast League, there's 23 teams, um, 12 of which never came, never came to Las Vegas because they were in the different, they were in the North division. So those teams don't travel. So it was really hard for like, you know, Anthony could, well, I can't tell you who Elmira was like that, or what Elmira was like that year, because they never came to Las Vegas, I never saw him. So, um, yeah, so in that sense, um, I, I didn't, when we decided to do the East Coast League, that didn't dawn on me until I started talking to him, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, these Coast, they don't play everybody, so that was, that's a little strange, but it's still fine, it wasn't like, oh, well, the episode's shot now, you know, it's nothing like that, but it was just a, it was a different, but again, right, now that I'm saying, saying this to you, um, it becomes unique, right? I guess that's why every one of these season tickets will be different because each league has its own deal and, and that type of thing. I have a cat here, uh, old John Searson. He's been on the show a few times. My, he's my hookup in the UK, him and Paul out there. Um, but John has decided he's going to come on and we're going to talk about the 2000, 2001 super league season over there. So yet again, a different look at a different league and, uh, and how they do things over there with the super cup and this tournament and that. Ter- I don't understand the whole thing, but we're going to, we're going to get an education and we're going to find out. I haven't recorded that yet with John. We're just setting up a time, but that'll be the next season ticket series. And, uh, again, this is not something that, oh, every week I'm going to do these or anything, but just when the opportunity comes up and I talk to certain people and, and it sort of fits that, like they're, oh, I was a season ticket holder and I always used to go to games. Well, okay. That, that person makes for a very good, uh, you know, qualifies very well for the, for the season ticket series. So, um, and you know, Searson fits right into that. So, and, and like I said, different league, different look and lots of tough guys over there that I think people will be surprised that we're over there. Bezo and Morissette and Oduya and VL and all those guys. So, uh, real rich history of toughness over in the UK that I think a lot of people might sleep on, um, if you're not familiar. So no, that'll be a lot of fun to talk about. So 
Really looking forward to talking to John. But in the meantime, yeah, I had a lot of fun talking to Anthony. This is a real fun episode. I think you guys are going to really dig it. Before we get going, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows on the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there is a podcast for you. So check it out. Of course, with the playoffs, you know, we just had the trade deadline and the playoffs are coming. So they're, uh, you know, those, those cats are, uh, are rolling. Lots of content coming out there weekly. So give it a look. Find your favorite team and give them a listen. Of course, then we got, uh, old Alec, uh, on the move again there. Yeah, I can't call him Florida Mud Show anymore. Now he's moving to North Carolina. They're packed up and I think he's got, you know, the jalopy hooked up and the, and the U-Haul trailer and, and off they go. I think you're, they're on the road here coming up, uh, either today or tomorrow as I'm speaking. So, uh, yeah, good luck with the, tr- I mean, we all, everyone listening has moved and I think we all, we can, I think we can shudder collectively when we think of moving. So I feel, you know, as much as I, I try not to feel sorry for Alec, you know, you know, but, uh, I'm, I'm feeling for this one. So, uh, good luck with the move. But even, look at that. Even while moving, he manages to throw up an episode. I, I laugh. He has, he has all this time in the world, but he's just got his feet up. He doesn't do any episodes. All of a sudden, he's packing and everything else, and he's got to move. Oh, he decides to do a player interview. Jeez, look at that. Man of the people, I'm telling you. Well, he had Federal Hockey League uh, enforcer uh, Justin Schmidt on. And, uh, you know, it was about an hour interview. It was I listened to it in the truck today. It was really good. Told some funny stories, and uh, I encourage you to check it out. Of course, Alec has, does have a very good back catalog with Yablonski and Segroy and Rob Ray. And, uh, and he is a member of the Six Pack Coverage Network. And, uh, yeah, and he also has a YouTube channel. If you could check it out, if you happen to be on the YouTubes, it is the Five for Fighting YouTube channel. And it's an East Coast League channel. And he is putting up this year's fights. He just kind of got into it about half, right at the start of this year, uh, this season, uh, as he was a Florida Everblades season ticket holder. And, uh, yeah, so he decided to start up a channel. So, Let's just try to get him to a thousand subscribers. So if you're on YouTube, just hit the little subscribe button. That would, that would help him out. And uh, while you're at it, I may as well, I'm going to shamelessly plug mine as well. The fourth line voice on YouTube, uh, subscribe to the channel. I have over 2,700 videos on there. All the leagues on there, East coast, NHL, OHL, IHL, you name it. MOUSE. It's all, they're all there. Just type it in the little search engine. Boom. They'll come up. But, uh, yeah, if you could subscribe to our channels, it would definitely help us out. Uh, also, Jolton Joe Lazito, Broadway Joe Lazito, give it Lazito. Coliseum Chronicles, it's a New York Islander based podcast, enforcer based podcast. Again, tremendous back catalog. Fakota, Strudwick, Asham, Bolton, Matt Karkner, they're all there. Definitely give Joe a listen. Out of, working out of MSG, world famous arena. Like I always say, that's that's the that's the kind of pull Joe has. He's working at MSG and he has an Islander Import podcast. You know, you, you know what? And you know what's really crazy? He's probably wearing his Tom Wilson jersey as I, as we speak too. Working the MSG uh, in work MSG, he's probably wearing a Wilson jersey, just daring someone to knock the chip off his shoulder. Joe knows. Joe knows. But definitely check out Joe's channel in all seriousness. Joe's a good dude. Coliseum Chronicles. Give it a Lazito. All right, guys. Yeah, Anthony and I talked for a long time here, so I'm not going to yap in Europe for too long. But if you happen to be on social media, uh, I, I don't know why you would be. But if you are and you want to do that, you want to put yourself through that sort of thing, 
Check me out on Twitter as well as on Facebook, Fourth Line Voice. Uh, yeah, give me a follow. I'm always putting up pictures and videos and general musings and whatnots. So, uh, yeah, give me a follow, as I said before, with the YouTube channel. And, uh, yeah, guys, other than that, whatever platform you're listening to the show on, and Alex show and Joe's show, um, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, what have you, um, could you rate and review our shows? It helps us out in the searches. See, folks, these are the, I always say, these are the little things where you can help a smaller podcast out. Um, you know, spitting chiglets and all them, they don't need your help. They, believe me, they run the world, bar stool and everything. They don't, uh, you know, your, your rating and reviewing their show doesn't really matter all that much. They're number one, believe me. But, uh, for any podcast, whether it be mine, Alec, Joe's, you know, the guy that does the Civil War podcast that you like so much. Um, if you rate and review them, it helps us out. It really does. Well, I'm not just saying this. And, uh, you know, when, cause when someone types in Barstool or, uh, Spit and Chiglets, it'll say related searches and then our shows will be there. But that's all based on reviews. So, yeah, if you guys could do that, that would be great. And for me, I always say if you could download my episodes, I'd be very much grateful for that. Don't stream these, please. Uh, I get paid by the download. Also helps me with my, analytic numbers where you can see who's listed so I can see what's working, what's not working, that type of thing. Um, it just, it all helps me out and, uh, I would greatly appreciate it. Like I said, for, uh, and as well as Joe and Alec, it's all the same. Uh, the downloads and the reviews all help folks. And, uh, I want to thank the person who actually sent me a, a, a nice, uh, comment in the YouTube section. You really stood out because no one ever puts anything nice in the YouTube section, but I got it. So thank you very much. I appreciate the kind words. And I've actually received a few, uh, uh, email. If you ever want to email me hockey fights at hotmail, I know it's still a hotmail account, but Hey, it's hockey fights at hotmail. Yeah. Drop me a line. Let me know, uh, good, bad or otherwise what's going on and, uh, what you'd like to hear, what, what you don't want to hear, you know, that type of thing. I'd love to get the feedback from you guys. I always appreciate the, uh, the, like I always say, I, I enjoy the feedback, uh, you know, good, bad, or otherwise. And uh, it's it's nice to know that folks are listening. And for those of you that are tuning in right now, I, I very much appreciate that you took the time out to listen. And because I know there is many, I mean, you spit and you hit a podcast these days. Everyone and their dog has one. So the fact that you chose mine, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, and if you're and if you're here with for your friend of Anthony's, well, thank you. I hope you stay. And uh, not only for this episode, but uh, please check out the back catalog. As I said, there's 194 other episodes for you to listen to and uh, player interviews. And usually Wednesday's a player interview and then Sunday's, it's been dubbed Shit Show Sunday or my rant episodes where I basically look out the window and, and yell about all the things that bug me in hockey and used to bug me and what I used to like. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just whatever whatever happens to be going on, I'll be talking about. But uh, yeah, I would, it, it, it's, it's, I think it, they're they're a little better than they sound, maybe, than than being advertised. But uh, I'm babbling now, so how about I shut up and let's get into it. So here is my uh, season ticket series, the 2008-2009 East Coast Hockey League season with Anthony from Las Vegas. Great guest, good dude. Really enjoyed having him on, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy this. And I'll talk to you guys again on Sunday. Thanks, everybody. All right, here we are on the fourth line voice. I have a special guest today. I have Anthony out in Las Vegas. Anthony, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, buddy? Very good. Very good. Well, thank you for coming on. And uh, you're gonna, we're gonna do another. We're gonna attempt another anyway of the season. What now? What did I call it? Season ticket series. 
And today we're going to talk about the 2008-2009 East Coast Hockey League season. And uh, this should be very interesting. Of course, as I said, you were in Las Vegas at the time. Yep. So you watch plenty of Wrangler action. And uh, Oh, yeah. How are things in Las Vegas? Oh, Las Vegas, my favorite city outside of to visit. How are things in Sin City today? Uh, well, right now it says it's uh, only 86 degrees outside, but, uh, you know, hopefully later on it should be getting up into the 90s. I don't know. Uh, no, definitely no snow on the ground or nothing like uh, what you got over there. Yeah, well, it's a little, yeah, yeah, unseasonably springy here out there. So, but uh, yeah, well, like I said, we're uh, we're gonna we're gonna bounce into the uh, 08, 09 East Coast League year with the Las Vegas Wranglers. Of course, they play out of my favorite casino and hotel at the Orleans, where the arena is, where they played out of. And uh, I guess yep. the move, I guess it's uh, next year. Well, it's not the East Coast League that plays there anymore. The Henderson Silver Knights are playing there right now. The American Hockey Yeah, the team. AHL. Yeah, yeah. And they'll yep. be moving out towards you and Henderson next year. Yep. Yep. Uh, actually, next next Saturday, they're going to actually play their first game at the Dollar Loan Center uh, over in Green Valley. Uh, re- yesterday, yep, yesterday was their last game ever at the Orleans, so. Well, there we go. Yeah, so the, yep. uh, the Silver Knights, it's... Uh, yeah, they um yeah, actually it'll be interesting. I I think they'll uh I I think they'll draw pretty well in Henderson, I think. Yeah, I mean there's really nothing else going on in uh in Henderson, so I, I it's in a pretty good spot right off the freeway, so I know the the locals over in that spot were too happy with uh, all the construction and all the traffic that it was causing, but uh I'm kind of excited to go see a game there and see what it's like and see what the atmosphere is, but well, I'm a hockey fan, so yeah. Well, like I said, it's uh, you know Las Vegas. I mean, the Golden Knights kind of took that city by storm, and I mean, this obviously right. with the instant success that they had, and I mean, you know, we go to Vegas every year, so to see, well, the initial Vegas, and then just to see it just take over the city and everywhere you go, there's Knights stuff on cars, and you go to Walmart, they have a freaking Golden Knights section, I mean, it's just yeah. been uh, hockey hockey fever there, so, you know, to get their American League team in the, in the same city and, and everything, I would think, uh, I would think it'll draw pretty well, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, in Henderson, you know, there's, we're kind of separate from Vegas, we have our own, we don't, we kind of look at Vegas as like a whole different world, so. Yeah. You know, having Henderson have their own sports franchise, I think it, it could be something that the people here kind of latch on to. And, uh, you know, hopefully they start, you know, they draw well. I, I don't think they, they're they selling out that much over in, in Vegas, but I think uh, here in Henderson, I th- there's a possibility that they could, you know, really latch on, like I said, and become, you know, a, hopefully a franchise here for a long time, so. No, absolutely. With the, with, with the miners, you never know. You know. Well, it, well, we're, we'll get into that here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and that was the thing, though, and I think a lot of people, maybe, maybe even Las Vegas fans of the Golden. I mean, because of course you're getting a lot of new hockey fans and everything else, and I mean that's understandable. Mm-hmm. And of course, everything is obviously oh NHL, NHL, NHL. But I think mm-hmm. sometimes people forget. Um, you know about how successful the Wranglers were for those years. Uh, before yep. that, the Las Vegas Thunder of the IHL, 
playing out at the Thomas and Mack Center. I think people forget that, and they were there for a long time. And before that, there was the Las Vegas Aces that my friend played on. And then there was a whole bunch of minor league hockey in Las Vegas for years and years and years before that. That I think people forget about the history of hockey in Las Vegas. They just look at, oh, it's the NHL now. It's like, well, there was a lot going on before the NHL ever showed up. And um, Oh, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's it's kind of funny that, you know, uh, you know, I'll have coworkers or whatnot say, oh, you know, it's weird having hockey here. We've never had hockey here. It's like, well, uh, actually, no. You've never heard of the Wranglers? Uh, no. Who are the Wranglers? And she's, she's kind of, you know, just look in the sky and be like, really? How did you live here? You lived here for 30 years. The Wranglers were here for 10 or whatever it was. And you had the Thunder here for, you know, wrong 10 too. And it's just like, how did you never heard of any of these teams? Yeah, well, it's like, People, did, did you not watch the local sports one time in your life yeah. in the winter? Like, they had highlights, you know. Yeah, I never looked, picked up a paper, never turned on the TV. Like, how, how did you, what bubble were you living in where you didn't know that they had hockey here? So, I don't know. Yeah, no, it was amazing. Like, even when I was down there a couple years ago, and I mean, I was sitting there playing video poker at the bar, and the bartender's, of course, as soon as they find out you're from Canada, oh, you're here for the hockey, right? And I'm like, no, um, you, I wouldn't go to a rank, I wouldn't go to a Golden Knights game with free tickets. I'm like, no, no, I don't, I don't watch right. NHL hockey anymore. But oh well, we're just, yeah, hockey's, yeah, we're just getting into it here. And I'm like, well, you've had hockey forever. And I'm like, yeah. And he just looked at me like I, like you know, like I had a turd hanging out of my mouth or something. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? I'm like, what? And actually, I think it was at the Orleans. I was having this conversation. I'm like, the Wranglers played here. I'm like, what are you talking about? They played here for like 10 years. I'm like, yeah. you, you work here. Well, I, yeah. but then it was like, well, I just started here. Like, oh, okay. So, yeah, you weren't here when the Wranglers were here. I was, though, apparently. But Yeah, maybe but, you'll get a pass on that. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, uh, I will say, as we get into the, we'll talk about the East Coast League here, but the Las Vegas Wranglers, um, throughout their years, um, and even in the hockey news when they have their, awards, their minor league awards, they have the best jerseys and the best logo and the best promotion and whatever the hockey news. I don't know if they do it anymore, but they did at one time. But the Las Vegas, the, okay, try this again, take two. The Las Vegas Wranglers for years in a row would always win like the minor league, like promotion of the year. Like, and they're, they right. did crazy promotions in Las Vegas and whatever. And I mean, obviously you would think, a Las Vegas team, of course, just with the theme of Las Vegas in general, gaudy and over the top. I mean, that should be the state motto. I mean, so of course the hockey team is going to be pretty crazy with some of their, uh, with some of their promotions. And then you going to all those Wrangler games, I'm sure you partook in a bunch of those crazy promotions. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the most famous one that probably got the most play you know, around the country, you know, around North America, I guess. And uh, the one that was talked about the most was probably the midnight game where the game would start at, I think they, they, they'd have it start, you know, the, the game time was 1159, but they'd drop the puck at exactly midnight. And that, those games were always pretty interesting. Cause you, 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 you get a mixed bag of the crowd, you know, one year you'd have a crowd where everybody looks like they're half asleep. Next year you'd get the, you get the crowd where they're all fired up. They've been drinking and it was, it was, it, it was kind of a, you never knew what kind of crowd you were going to get, but they were usually pretty fun games. The players usually seemed to be pretty stoked playing in them. 
Uh, I remember one year, uh, Huxley, when he was on Idaho and the Wranglers had, uh, Kyle Hagel, they dropped the puck right off the opening face off to start the game, but two minutes to midnight playing by Iron Maiden. So, uh, that, that's one thing that'll always stick out in my head was, uh, the midnight game for sure. Oh yeah. The midnight game. And then I know the one night they had the, they played a game. Then there was a rave after and they, you know, and all this. And yeah. I know the game we went to, I mean, you had the, Basically, the Hooters girls walking around selling aluminum bottles of Bud Light for like two bucks. <laughs> me and the old man are looking. And, well, I was telling you, and then my, me and the old man are looking at each other like, oh, okay, because we're used to like Saskatoon. It's minus forty, and everyone's wearing parkas and everything at the game. And here we are, and sitting in like theater seats, and these yeah. you know, good good looking girls handing out beer for two bucks. And and next thing over the speaker, we hear tonight's. We'd like to thank today's game day sponsor, the Adult Deja Vu Emporium. <laughs> And we just started laughing because we're like only in Vegas because it's like I could yeah. imagine if the Adult Source video in Saskatoon sponsored the Blades games. Oh my God, there'd be a riot. Somebody be they'd be somebody be outraged about something. But in Vegas, when they announce it, eh, no one even batted an eyelash. You know. Well, well, they had the uh, they had, there was an eighteen and over game where I think it started a little later, uh, probably around nine ish, and they had. So you had to be 18 and over to get into the game and you, they would do, they'd have movie clips where they, you know, they'd cuss and say all this stuff, but then they had the girls from the treasures gentlemen's club doing little dances on the little entryway. They had a, the whole pole set up and everything. And they were just going to town over there during the, the stoppages and uh, the intermissions and all that stuff. So it, it was always a, pretty good time uh with, with their promotions and stuff that they would do uh, i know they had the blue man group come a bunch of times um uh they they would have mini kiss one time with all uh they had it was a kiss group but they were all uh with a little little people little persons little people <laughs> vertically challenged people yes vertically challenged yeah they had that one uh they had the prison jersey Prison prison jersey night where they had the uh, the prisoners and the prison guards. I think Bakersfield was wearing the prison jerseys and Vegas had the prison guard jerseys on or whatever. And uh, it, that, they've they've done a bunch of goofy stuff over the years. But uh, you know, it was just trying to sell the game in Vegas. You know, uh, it, it the East Coast you know East Coast League team, and you know a lot of times people don't want to look past you know the majors you know, the, the NHL and, you know, the MLB or whatever, but, uh, you know, the East Coast League, especially, you know, for, with the Wranglers, it was great hockey, man. And, you know, they did these promotions just got to get butts in the seats. And, you know, the people that did show up usually saw a pretty good game too. So, yeah, well, and that was the thing. And I know talking to a few people when we were there, like just uh, some of the locals and stuff, it seemed like you, you know, um, while looking here, like just the season that we're covering, um, now how accurate this is, I don't know. But like the av- like they have the average attendance was about forty six hundred. They got here for the Wranglers that year in oh eight oh nine. I know the yeah. game the game we were at. Yeah, there was probably about four thousand people there, give or take. And uh, but you had about like the, the guys that. Uh, were sitting with us they came all the time and they were kind of telling us there's about there's probably about a thousand kind of diehards that were there all right. the time and they had you could tell because they had the one sort of section where they all had like game worn jerseys like you know they were the ones that were buying the game worn jerseys and they had, because they were all the different ones and whatever and so you could tell they were right. like really into it and 
Um, as far as like all the times that you went, is four thousand? Does that seem kind of about a round, a decent number of of what the attendance was like, give or take? Yeah, I'd I'd definitely say that. You know, uh, uh, that's yeah, probably yeah, about forty six hundred. That that does seem about right. You know, uh, we'd get the occasional sellout, which would you know they'd be loud in there, the fans would be pumped, but you know, very very rarely did you go into there and not see a good amount of people to where they, we couldn't make that place, you know, live and popping. You know, it, it wasn't like you go in there and you could hear a pin drop on the other or hear somebody cuss on the other side of the arena. You know, you could rarely ever did that ever happen. It was usually a pretty good barn, pretty good atmosphere. And, and, you know, when the fans were there, they were, they were usually rocking and rolling and, and, and seeing, you know, you know, cheering for the boys and uh, enjoying a good hockey game. Yeah, no, exactly. The games we went to, it was like, yeah, the crowd was fairly big and loud, and they were into it. And, um, yeah, I mean, and Vegas always sort of had kind of a tougher, you know, always had sort of tough teams, and you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and the fans were. I know there was a couple fights the game we were at, and they were certainly into the into the tilts, and they were, you know, you know, I'm sure they loved Huxley all the time, and you know, I'm sure oh, yeah. he was the hero there, and uh, yeah, you know, and it was so. Yeah, they were definitely, uh, and again, the the games were played at the Orleans Casino. There's a an hotel. There's a rink attached to it. How much is that? What would that hold? About eight thousand? That rink? I think it was. I, 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 not to be a nerd, but I remember the exact seating. It was uh, seven thousand seven hundred and seventy-three. Oh, there you go. Seven, uh, that's funny. Seven seven. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. And. Um, well, yeah. So, I mean, so you're sitting about, well, they said 4,600. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you know, that's, that's clipping along at a fairly, uh, you know, maximum capacity. So yeah, it, yeah. Would get, it would get loud in there. And I know it was a nice little place to, to watch hockey. I thought the place was nice. So, you know, for, yeah, very nice. Yeah. I mean, for the East coast league, I mean, you know, yeah. You know, was it Madison square gardens? No, but I mean, no. at the end of the day, they, I mean, the Orleans is a pretty decent casino. It wasn't like it's in the hood or anything. So, you know, it. um, and it was a horseshoe setup, so you know yep. they had the video board on the one side, and you know picture the rink being a U shape, and that's that's you know it. So the other side was pretty much just wall, you know. So to get seven thousand people in there without you know missing part of the section was actually pretty you know pretty cool because it would get really loud in there even when it wasn't completely full because you'd get that reverberation off that wall, and the place would you know be rocking. So. Um, yeah, it was it was a, it was a definitely a fun place to go see a, a, a hockey game for sure. No, well, yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, well, uh, let's get into this. Uh, for, so, like I said, uh, well, I've done the other time I did this season ticket series with with Jay, and we did the uh, United Hockey League. Uh, was it over right. 06? I think it was that's what year it was. But so it was a little different because there was like six teams in the United League, and of course you see everybody and everybody plays everybody. And Jay, of course, went to every bloody rink too. So uh, this mm-hmm. in the East Coast League, I was saying, it's it's a little tougher because at the time it's at the oh eight oh nine, it's a twenty three league team. Well, and then quickly became twenty one when two teams folded, and then yep. um, also the teams in the North and South never came to Las Vegas. So you never nope. saw a lot of, well, what, one, two, three, six. Yeah, you basically didn't see 12 of the, te- half the league you didn't see. So, yeah. you know. Basically the East, the East. Yeah. 
So, um, so there's four of it, North Pacific, South and West are the four names of the divisions. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, in the Las Vegas, uh, in the, they were in the Pacific division. So you had the Ontario rain, uh, Ontario, California, for those people, not, not the Canadian province, uh, the Ontario rain, um, which were a new team this year in the 08 season was their first year. Um, Mm-hmm. It was Ontario, Las Vegas, Bakersfield, and Stockton were in the Pacific. And then in the West was Alaska, Idaho, Victoria, Utah, Phoenix, and Fresno. And these were basically the teams that you saw all the time. Right. Yes. Okay. So, and the and in this season, Vegas finished second in their division with 76 points. And they actually ended up making it to the semifinals all the way to round three. And they lost to Alaska in the, in the, in the, semi, in the semifinals. So they actually had a real strong season this year. Yep. Yeah, the, this is the this was the season. Uh, you know, previously, this is what year three? No, year oh, three or four, four or five. I think it was like three or four of the Wranglers, and they just got off of going to the 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 finals against Cincinnati. With that Cincinnati team was stacked. They had David DeHarnay who ended up playing in the in the show for a number of years. I think he just played in the Olympics too. If I'm not mistaken, but uh, so they're coming off a finals loss to uh, Cincinnati, and they just came into this year guns ablaze and just loaded up on tough guys. And they still had a pretty good, pretty good squad up, you know, skill wise, you know, playing. And they had Adam Miller, Tyler Mosienko uh, leading the charge. They had the Ferraro brothers, but they just were loaded with toughness. I don't know what got under Gullitson's, uh saddle there, but he just went and got a bunch of big boys for this season. Yeah, well, we'll start there. Glenn Gullitson's the head coach, and of course now he is everybody, he is the assistant coach of the Edmonton Oilers now, uh, but he, yep. has, he played in the minors for a long time and uh, was a very talented player. Uh, and then he has been around, uh, he was a head coach for many years in Vegas and then got an NHL gig, had a few head coaching jobs, a few assistant head coaching jo- or assistant coaching jobs, and which of course he's been at Edmonton now for well, just look four years. So, yeah, so he's been around. So he was the coach. Yep. And then uh, Mike McBain is the assistant coach. We, we we don't need to go into the whole history of Mike McBain. But, uh, you can use Google for that. Yeah, for those folks. Of course, he was uh, a former Red Deer Rebel. And, uh, again, heck of a player, actually. He was drafted in the second round by Tampa. Had a few, uh, played a few seasons in the NHL. Uh, was winding down, played the last one, two, three, four, five years with the Wranglers, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, captain so, the team for a little bit. Exactly, and was and it was sort of uh, was pretty pretty popular guy in in Vegas, and then uh, yeah, some shit came up, and uh, he is now sitting in the clink for for a few years, I think. So uh, yeah, yep, but, that's uh, don't need to talk about him anymore. Yeah, no, fuck Mike McBain. So uh, yeah. yeah, so. He is the assistant coach. And then, yeah, and like you said, there's, you know, in terms of the toughness on the team, I mean, uh, you know, you had uh, Tim Spencer and uh, Brandon Straub and Steve McAway and uh, J.D. Watt. Watt. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, well, yeah, and Tim Spencer, I know there's some folks, I, I got some some U.K. listeners, and yes, that is the Tim Spencer that played for the Sheffield Steelers. Um He's he's a very uh, uh, polarizing figure over in the UK, uh, and uh, Steve Mackway, another guy that um, he played over in Europe as well with Dundee for a season. And there's uh, 
some interesting stories of that character. Um, but what? what, what, uh, what, what, what are your memories of these cats? Well, I, I, I remember Timmy, he was, he was the heavyweight. He was the champ on the team. He was one of the best ones definitely in the West. Uh, if not the champ of the West, he would take on all the big boys, all the, all the other tough guys, which the West unfortunately weren't loaded with heavies. They had more middleweights and maybe light heavies around in the West, but, um, Tim was definitely the, the go-to. He was the one that was going to answer the bell most of the time. But then you had, you know, Steve Mackway was a big boy too. He was, uh, you know, I think it was like six, five. He was huge, but he was more of like a, you know, uh, almost like, I guess if you're going to, if you're going to compare it to, you know, NHL terms, he was sort of like Joe Kosher to Spencer's Probert, right? Probert was more taken on the, the, the top guys on the other team where Kosher was taken on, you know, maybe the second tier type of dudes. And, um, but, you know, he was basically his Robin to his Batman. And then you had Straub, who was probably just right there with both of those guys. He was tough as nails, got got a good, you know, shot in the AHL, fought a bunch of tough guys there. Um, that year he was he was a good player in the coast. He was more of a defensive defenseman, in, you know, he, uh, but he, he could throw him. He was, had a good right hand. And then you had uh, J.D. Watt, too. He only played... 18 games in the in the regular season and played mostly you know played more in the playoffs but he was right there and he was just he was another heavy really I mean you know AHL people might know him more from there you know he fought a lot more in the A but um you know he was he could fight with anyone in that league too that year so opposing teams coming into the Orleans you know you had to pick them of who you wanted to to go with for sure yeah, and like I said, looking back on it now, just added it up. Uh, Las Vegas has a team at seventy fights, which put them ninth in the East Coast League. So I mean, they were, uh, you know, they certainly had, uh, you know, they weren't backing down from people. Um, pretty kind of a, a couple of veteran group, a veteran group. I mean, um, you had the Ferraro twins, uh, yep. Chris and Peter, who at that point were thirty five years old, which you know is senior citizen status in the East Coast League, but. Uh, but uh, you know, solid, solid. They've had they had solid minor league careers. Those guys, and uh, yeah. So I mean, you could see, and then like you said, Mozienko leading the team in scoring, and um, you know, and of course he's an old uh, WHL guy that played in, with the Kelowna Rockets for four years, and um, you know, it's Sean Limpright that he'd been around, and yep, you know, and uh, you know he played. I mean, he actually played in the in the with the Wranglers for a lot of years, and again, another guy for the folks out in the UK he played over in Sheffield as well so um yeah it was a you know pretty strong group um yeah then they had guys you know like Mick Lawrence who who played a handful of games he was an off good player good uh skilled guy but he wasn't afraid to drop the gloves either he, I think he had 85 he's looking at the stats he had 85 Tims in 38 games you know yep and then you had you know Chris Chris Ferraro you know like you said, him and Peter, you know, being 35 years old, they still were dropping the gloves every now and then. And they still were getting in the mix, getting in scrums and being nasty. And, uh, you know, and then they, they had a couple other guys here and there. They had a lot of guys on the roster. If you look, they had something about 47 players. I think it says, yeah, 47 players that year. Uh, they had a bunch of battles, a bunch of injuries and call ups, you know, cause, you know, JD Watt was on, uh, I, th- I think, was he on a two way or a three way? It might have been on a 
an AHL deal. I can't remember. He, he kept getting called up. They had a bunch of guys that would get called up to the AHL all the time. So they had a bunch of guys bouncing in and out of the lineup. And, you know, it seemed to be every guy they brought in would, would at least get into one scrap. So they had a ton of fights that year and a ton of battles against, you know, Idaho and Stockton and Bakersfield. So it was definitely a fun year for sure. Well, yeah, and that's the thing we should bring up that the at the at this year, at this point, the uh, 08, 09 Wranglers were the East Coast League team to the Calgary Flames. So a right. lot of these teams were, would go up to the American League, which was Quad City Flames at the time. They were the American League team. So, yeah, you'd uh, – yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing. And, I mean, and that's the one thing with the minors. I mean, well, at the AHL as well, but especially, I think, in the East Coast League. I think there's yep. so much – back and forth um it's it was it'd be very hard to um you know like you said as a coach it'd be very challenging because you certainly very you know you certainly wouldn't be um see it'd be very hard because obviously your best players in in theory are going up to the american league at some point right your leading scorers and whatever you would think are going to be bouncing in and out so i think a lot of this stuff is a lot of makeshift on, on a lot of nights and then, and then you had injuries and suspensions and everything else to it. So man, it'd be tough to coach in those minor leagues. Well, it, it, you know, and being a fan and seeing the team over the years, it's hard to to be a fan of a player because it, the next year he could be gone. Right. You, these guys, you'd be lucky if they'd be on the team for two years. Uh, I know you're saying Sean Limpright played for the team for quite a while. You know, he, he was one of the, you know, the few that stayed and played for a number of years. And I know Mike Medill was on the team that year. Uh, he still lives here in, in town and, um, you know, he played for them and he ended up be, becoming the coach of the team later on. Um, but it, yeah, like you said, in, in the coast, man, like these guys, they just, they get other opportunities elsewhere and they bounce around for a number of years. And it's just, uh, like you said, I, I don't know how Gullitson was able to put out a competitive team year after year, you know, going to the finals the year before. And then you said making to the conference finals this year. Um, it, it's just, it, it gives you, give him a ton of credit for just getting players over here to play, you know, um, it shows that he, he deserves to be in the NHL doing something, right? No, absolutely. No, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, well, and like I said, it's, uh, you know, they had success this year with the, with, you know, with the third round. Um, but, you know, kind of just uh, well here in the Pacific, um, the Ontario Reign, like you said, was the uh, was the new team in the league. This was their first year. Well, first year in the league, and you finish first in your division. That's uh, you know they lost, of course, in the first round. But I mean, you know, that's not that's not a bad uh, start to the year. Uh, I'd say I say finishing first would be pretty good. Eh? Yeah, I would say it's you know nowhere to go but down at that point. But um, but you know, kind of a. You know, the new team, I don't know, kind of, you know, they had 57 fights, so 14th in the league. So, you know, kind mm-hmm. of on the lower end of, eh, you know, but they had a few guys. Um, uh, you know, I'm just trying to, just looking at their roster here. I mean, you had, you had David Walker, um, you know, yep. Chris Curran, that type of thing. Um, but But really sort of no real true heavyweight in terms of fighting on this team. They had uh, James McEwen. I think he ended up being uh, third. I think top, definitely top five in penalties that penalty or uh, fighting majors that year, right? I'm pretty sure. He was. Um, he was in Phoenix, wasn't he? Oh, was he? Was he in Phoenix? 
Now, oh, now you got me thinking. Where is he? Yeah, yeah, James McHugh. He was, in, he was in Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Oh, then see, then I'm mixing a couple of years together. Yeah, well, exactly. It's well, and like you were just saying, right? These these guys start, you know, running together For, because it was the it was the next two years he was in Ontario. Yes, McHugh. Yep, see, they're, they're, that's that's proof to the point, right? These guys don't stay in one spot very long. You know, they they teams full, you know. Like you said earlier, a couple of the teams folded this year. You know, guys were getting bounced around from year, you know, team to team and year to year. So yeah, um, yeah, Ontario. I, I don't remember it being very tough that year. They're a little bit of a pushover. I think the only cool thing about that team that year were their jerseys because <laughs> they were a little different. They had real, real cool jerseys. But um, uh, yeah, they weren't. They they had a lot. Curran and all those guys. They were more of like the middleweight style. Yeah, no real heavies. Um, they were more chirpers. They chirp. I think, uh, what was their, oh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Let me look it up real quick. He, he kind of, he had a guy that, that he fought Huxley. He fought, I want to say McGregor. He wasn't, he was yeah. like, uh, Ryan McGregor. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was a uh, so, so, you know, tough guy. He wasn't like a legit, uh, you know, heavyweight in that league. Um, but he was, you know, he, he'd be better as like a number two or number three on a guy like a Macway or a Straub. But he, you know, he, unfortunately, he had to do most of the duties for, uh, for Ontario. So. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, on the other hand, it's like, you know, as we're sort of sitting there saying it, it's like, wow. They finished in first, so it's like eh, they must be doing something, I guess, you know. But right, right, so it's kind of right. hard to, you know, whatever. But uh, well, and like I said, I guess I should have started with that with the two teams folding. Of course, uh, Fresno. Uh, well, first of all, Augusta folded December second, uh, and they and they only played eighteen games. Um, but then yep. Fr- Fresno folded December twenty second. You know, so uh, you know two weeks later. But when uh, Fresno folded. Uh, I believe they were in first place. They were like 18 and 10, you know, so, and actually apparently their attendance wasn't that bad, but I don't know what happened. They just sort of dropped out sponsors or whatever. But so a lot of the players, um, you know, obviously got absorbed into the other teams, but um, man, I remember, I remember Stockton getting a lot of the players from Fresno, uh, like Judd Blackwater, uh, I think uh, Kenny Kenny McCauley, I think, was the captain of the Fresno team. I think he went over there. Um, I think Kyle Hagel was on that Fresno team. I don't know where he ended up going. I think he went to the East if he played, finished the year in the Coast. But, um, yeah, I remember seeing, like, man, I wish Vegas got some of these guys. But when you look back and you look like, well, we kind of did have about four heavies on the team. I don't know how much more we could have used on that team. But we just – it was probably better that Stockton got some of them guys, so make some of the games against them a little more interesting. Well, like you said with Fresno, when you look, it was um, it was an interesting um, uh, team in terms of uh, uh, with, with t- they had a tough team. They, you know, they had Matt Stefanich and Blackwater, um, yep. Spencer Carberry, uh, who uh, ended up being I think he had, he ended up with twenty two fights. Uh, he ended up actually. Spencer Carberry, who is now the assistant coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but um, this probably ended up being a blessing in disguise because he ended up getting picked up by the South Carolina Stingrays, who of course won the championship this year, and then he ended up being the coach two years later, 
he was the coach for the South Carolina Stingrays and he was there for one, two, three, four, like seven years. And, um, yeah, so it's funny how things work out. Huh? Yeah. And Kyle Hagel ended up in reading. That's where he ended up. Okay. But, but a guy that was on that team was NHL tough guy. Brad Brown was on Fresno that year. Um, oh, I don't see. I don't. I don't remember him playing that much. Did he play that? How many games did he play? Well, he played so the. Six, he played the sixteen with them, and then or he played sixteen games with Fresno, and then he ended up going to the American Hockey League uh, with Quad City, actually, with the Flames for the rest of the year. So yeah, he he doesn't belong in the coast. That that dude had he had NHL toughness right there. He had no reason for him to be down there in the coast. No, and I can't remember. He was on Terry Ryan's podcast, and I can't remember the reason. He didn't even really want to play at all, but it was something to do either with his pension or with benefits, something with a union or something like that. I can't remember. So he had to – I don't know if he married an American girl, and he had to – I don't know what – because he's back and lives in Canada now, but – uh, he's back in Ontario, but I can't remember why. There was a reason why he was playing because he didn't want to play anymore, but he did. But um, I know he did end up having a couple fights down there. But yeah, Brad Brad Brown was a bad dude, man. He, uh, if if anybody's interested, his very early when he was drafted, he was drafted in the first round by uh, Montreal, and for the first couple of years, he played in Fredericton in the late nineties with the Fredericton Canadians in the American League. And he put it. He put the hammer down on dudes in Fredericton. And some of those fights are on my YouTube channel. I encourage people listening to go check it out because he fought everybody in the American League, and they were good fights. He was a tough dude. He was a beauty for sure. No, yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, so you had those two teams fold. So now all of a sudden, of course, the league's down to twenty-one now, and uh, you know you got guys kind of bouncing all over the place. And they had to redivide, redesign uh, the divisions and everything else. So. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, just sticking in the Pacific, of course, the team that finished third was, uh, Bakersfield and, uh, oh, yeah. Bakersfield again, 21st in fights. They only had 48. Um, so not a real, uh, real tough team, but one of the guys was named, uh, uh, Liam Hulak. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Hukulak. Yeah. Liam Hukulak. Yeah. He was tough as nails too. Yep. He's been yeah, he uh, oh yeah, he, he he bounced around the coast for a while too. He uh, he had a couple good fights there. I, I want to say he he fought Mac Way, had a real good battle with him. Um, I don't. We didn't that year for some reason. Bakersfield wasn't a, a, as a big rival for Vegas as they were in previous years. Maybe just because they just really didn't only had like one or two guys. I think Hukalak and. Um, Who's who's the big defenseman they had? Um, trying to think of his name. Was it was it Jason Goulet? I think moved on from Bakersfield. Then um, was it uh, was it Ballin? Scotty Ballin? I think was yes. on that team. Yep, yep. Yeah. He other other than them two guys, they didn't really have a, a, a huge amount of of toughness on that team. So, but Hukalak definitely could throw him. He was he was a big boy. He was tough as nails. Um, I, it might have been one of his first years in the league, if I'm not mistaken. First or second year in the league. Well, you talk about Bakersfield, be, like in all the years that you went to Vegas. Like, if you're a you're a Wrangler guy, who would you say the Wrangler's number one, like 
uh, rival is. You know, it's so it's so funny because I've actually I was actually thinking about that earlier. I was like, man, who who was the rival? Like the main rival? I I was a toss up, honestly, between Idaho and Alaska. I want to say Idaho was probably more early on in the Vegas in the Vegas history, whereas Alaska was probably more towards the end. Um, wherever Lance Galbraith seemed to be playing was the main rival. So at that point, I think he was on uh, Alaska. I wanna, yep, Galbraith? he was. No, he, might... he was in Alaska. So I, I, so at that point, he might have been. It might have been the more of a of Alaska rivalry, but uh, but yeah, definitely Idaho and Alaska were probably the two. Because because honestly, how, how many times did Idaho and Alaska win the Calder Cup around those years? You know, or the not the Calder Cup, um, the Kelly, the Kelly Cup, Kelly Cup. Yeah, yeah I mean, I. I want to say they had what four or five, six between the two teams, so well, they always had good, tough teams. Yeah, well, and then to top it off, like you said, in this year, uh, you know, Galbraith is in Alaska. Well, who beats Vegas in the third round of the playoffs? Alaska, Alaska. Yeah, and and and, and to piggyback on you, you know the Fresno team folding, you had Stephanition get added to that Alaska team. So now they had two guys who were Galbraith-esque, who were good players and tough as nails, and were just miserable to play against, you know. And that's probably why they made it all the way to the finals. Well, you I, I, you keep mentioning Lance, Lance Galbraith, and he played for a long time, and he 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 bounced around that league. I mean, I know we'll get to Alaska at some point here, but just you know, talking yeah. talking about him, um, uh, you know, he played in the East Coast League for a long time, solid player. Put up a ton of penalty minutes, 200 minutes a year, 300 minutes a couple times. Um, uh, as someone that watched him play, I know you would have paid attention to him. Was he so, oh, yeah. and, I, and I mean, I've seen some of his fights and whatever. Was he sort of like, would you like, was he Barnaby ish? Is that what we're talking about? This guy was everything. He was Matthew Barnaby mixed in with. Sean Avery mixed in with uh, whatever tough guy, good hockey player you could think of. He was perfect for the coast. He probably could have played a little more in the AHL and been an effective player, but in the coast, he was a point per game, 200 to 300 penalty minute guy every year. And you hated to play against him because he was just mean, nasty. He'd stick a guy, but then he'd go score hat trick on your team. And it's just like, how, how can you not want to kill that guy when you're a fan, but secretly want him on your team as well? Because I wished Galbraith ended up playing for Vegas, but I did like hating on him too. So that was always fun. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, he was, like I said, he's been around and yeah, he did it for a long time. That's a guy I'd like to get on the show actually. Um, yes. I know, I know you had Huxley on. He talked about uh, <laughs> Galbraith a little bit and, um, they had some good fights over the years, for sure. Well, there you go. What a segue. You led right into that. Uh, of course, yeah. the, the team that finished in last place in the Pacific. But, man, what a te- I wish I had the, the fight DVDs from this team. Uh, the, the Stockton Thunder finished second in fights with 85. While, and who do they have for a tag team? But Adam Huxley and Garrett Hunt. How's that? You ma- <laughs> I can't imagine just being a guy on the opposite team, just sitting there, and, you know, and you, all of a sudden you look up and you got Huxley and Hunt looking to just run you through the boards. Like, how can you, 
How how could you even want to play hockey after that? You just want to get out of the way, just sit on the bench. No, you guys go out there. I'll wait till they get off the ice, you know. Uh, Those guys were a blast. They would fight anybody. They would just try to run anyone through the wall, through the boards, run them out of the building. Uh, they were they were you know a, a tough tough tag team on on that Stockton team and every time we played Stockton, I knew Vegas was gonna ha- one of those guys was gonna fight you know if not both of them you know they were one of because you know the Vegas was lo- loaded with tough guys they had the Spencer and Macway and you know one of them was gonna get into it for sure against Hunt I, I or or Huxley I I don't think there was one game where Vegas played Stockton and there one of those guys didn't fight. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure there was at least two, three fights every time they played Stockton that year, just because of the amount of toughness each team had, you know, not even, not even the rivalry or hatred. It was just, Hey, we got big boys. You guys got big boys. Let's go. You know? Well, yeah, exactly. And I mean, leading up to this for a couple years, Huxley played in Vegas and then oh, left yeah. and went to Stockton. And, of course, eventually made his way back to Las Vegas. Um, I would assume, obviously, with the Vegas games that you went to, I mean, obviously, you would have been a Huxley fan. How, oh, huge Huxley fan. Yeah, how annoying was that, though, to have him leave Vegas and end up in Stockton? And then now you got to see him all the time, too, because, like you said, he's in this, it's not like he went to Reading or something out east and you never saw no. him. No, now you got to see him every friggin' third game. Uh, how annoying was that? Yeah, it was, it was, it was tough. You know, he, he was such a polarizing guy because he would, you know, when he first came in the league, he wasn't as big as, you know, he, he's a young kid still at that time, you know, he eventually filled out a little more and was really able to take on all the heavies of the league. But, you know, when we had him that first year, um, you know, he was a, he was a, you know, middleweight type guy who would sometimes fight, you know, a heavier weight. We had Reagan Darby on the team and, you know, Billy Tibbetts, you know, that guy, that, that guy. but, uh, you know, he, he, he was a fun guy to, to, to watch. And when, you know, we, he went to Victoria the next year after Vegas cut him, uh, it definitely left a little bit of a void on that, on that Vegas team that, um, probably they never got back until this year when they picked up all the big boys, you know, I think they had Ryan Donnelly the year before Vegas, but you know, the, that, that Huxley type, where, you know, you knew he was going to go out there every night and just put on a show. And for him to, to be on Stockton doing it, 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 it hurt, you know, because we loved watching him. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I kind of wanted whoever our tough guy was at the time, this time being Tim Spencer, I was hoping that, you know, he'd give it to him a little bit. But, you know, I was I was super pumped at the end, you know, towards the end of his career when he came back to Vegas. Um and he, he was just an awesome player to watch, man. He, every single time he stepped on the ice, you know, you knew he was going to do something, whether it be to drill a guy into the boards, put up a fight, or even on the odd occasion, you know, score a goal or set up a goal. Uh, he was just a fun, fun player in the East Coast League. Definitely don't make him like Huxley anymore. That's for sure. No, absolutely. And, uh, of course, this year, yeah, he had 24 fights to Stockton. And, of course, then Garrett Hunt had 22. So it's like uh, – yeah, you know they were, you know, maybe they finished last in the in the division, but they were they were fighting everybody and uh, and Garrett and I've I've said with Garrett Hunt, well, I was lucky enough to see Huxley. Obviously, he played for the Saskatoon Blades, so I watched him in junior here, mm-hmm. and then um, and then Garrett Hunt being out in Vancouver with the Giants. Of course, I had friends out there, and there was lots of video available. They're like, you got to 
see this dude, man. And I have <laughs> never, to this day, before. Yeah, okay. uh, with Garrett Hunt, I've never seen anybody play like that before or since. He was like a Super Bowl running around. And then he ended up fighting everybody. He was about five foot seven. Uh, a legit bodybuilder. So the dude's just jacked. But he just mm-hmm. run around and just hammer guys. And he's played in, he played in Stockton forever. I think he probably could have run for mayor in that town at some point. But what, what did you think when you saw Garrett Hunt for the first time? I was like, who the hell is this guy? You know, this guy was just challenging every single person on the ice. He was what, five foot seven, five eight, just this little guy. And he, he went up to, he fought Spencer that year. He fought McWay that year. He was just absolutely fearless. He would fight anyone at any time. Um, hey, that fits in with the, that Stockton vibe, right? You know, you got the Diaz brothers from Stockton. That's how they are. So having Hunt and Huxley on the team who are fight anyone, anytime, I mean, that fit in with that team, you know, and Hunt was just an absolute wrecking ball out there. He was definitely a fun player to watch. Over the last however many years he's been in the coast, I think he's is he not the all time leading penalty guy there now? Oh, he'd have to, yeah, he'd have to be, yeah, yeah, if, if, yeah. you know. So, I mean, he's just a legend, an absolute legend in the East Coast League, and um, definitely a fun player to watch for sure. Well, I was saying, looking at the roster, that another guy that, that ended up in Stockton, um, an older guy that we were talking about was Matt Odette, and yeah. And he played uh, an OHL guy. He played in the American League for a, for a bunch of years. Kind of a, a big defenseman. Kind of mm-hmm. went under under the radar. And folks, you should see some of his uh, American League stuff. Um, he he gave it to dudes, and he was a tough he's a tough dude. And uh, yeah, so you veteran tough guy like that, you throw him in with Huxley and uh, and Garrett Hunt. Yeah, he uh, he was a, he was a good player, good good defenseman. I remember him more from his Fresno days, you know, a couple yeah. years earlier. Um, you know, I think he fought uh, an old Western leaguer, Steve Crampton, who played for the Vegas. And I want to say they had an absolute beauty fight. Uh, I think it was oh six, oh seven, or something something around there. And uh, you know, he was just another another tough dude, right? That Stockton team was just full of tough tough dudes. You know, they end up getting him and. And uh, Igor Gongolski from um, from Fresno, and it just added to their hey, if they're not going to finish first, and you're going to finish last. Why not kick the crap out of all the other teams? And you know they definitely picked up a bunch of bunch of meat, you know, when Fresno folded. So um, yeah, Matty Odette, he was a he was a good player, man. Good good fun guy to watch. No, absolutely. And uh, well, I said it. Uh, I had talked when, when, like I said, when I had Jay on, we did the United League. Um, uh, uh, series. Um, he had an opportunity, of course, uh, he went to all the other arenas. Did you do any traveling? Right. Did you ever go to any other games? No, unfortunately, I, we always wanted, me and my buddy who would go to all the games, we always wanted to go to uh, uh, the Ontario. Um, we drove past it a few times. It's a beautiful rink, at least on the outside. Um, I mean, it, clearly, now that they're an AHL team, it had to have been pretty spectacular inside, but uh uh, you know, I, unfortunately, I was never able to go anywhere. I was working at the time, working in the casino downtown, you know, at the Luxor on the Strip. So I wasn't really able, able to get much time off from there. So most, all the time off I did have, I'd go to these games. So, You know, I, dro- I dropped your name at the Luxor and they asked me to leave. So I don't, yeah. know, what, I don't yeah. know what happened. But 
Come on. <laughs> yeah, right. They don't even remember. I was, I wasn't, I wasn't even a, a footprint over there. They don't remember me. That was from twelve years ago. So. Oh, so you're saying if I drop your name ago. around the strip, doors are not going to open for me? They'll most likely not at for all. Me. Yeah, you would have to you'd have to come more over towards Henderson. They know me over here pretty well. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah, we'll have to hit Green Valley Ranch next year. Um, oh, there you go. There we go. Um, well, in terms of like just in distance, in terms of uh, on on how far is that from Vegas? Um, it's not that far of a drive. I would say it'd probably take about I don't know three and a half hours, three hours, three and a half hours to get now, there. Like in terms of like Ontario, Bakersfield, and Stockton, is Ontario the closest? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Bakersfield's way. I think that's probably about a six-hour drive, seven-hour okay. drive, and then Stockton's probably similar to that. Okay. Um, that's more northern California, whereas Ontario is pretty much just right over the border. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's not that far of a drive. It's it's not even it's it's still like a two-hour drive from there or an hour and a half drive from Ontario to like the to the ocean, you know, to Anaheim. So it's it's a lot closer to. Uh, to, to Vegas, and you'd think that'd probably be more of a rivalry than it was, but it, unfortunately, it wasn't. It, for whatever reason, Ontario never really had the toughest team. So, um, yeah, I'm just sort of trying to think geographically who'd be the closest. I guess well, Utah, Phoenix, and then like how yeah, Phoenix. Phoenix is only five hours away. Yeah, yeah, and then the well, Utah's got to be fair, well, kind of. You know, uh, so uh, they were in, in uh, Salt Lake, so that's probably a, that was more of like a six, seven hour drive, maybe yeah. even longer. I've I've never driven there, but I know it's it, the closest to would probably most likely would have been Phoenix or Ontario for sure. Um, yeah, it, I guess distance doesn't really matter because, like I said, Alaska and Idaho are probably the two biggest rivalries, and those are probably two of the longest uh, drives or you know flights, you know, to at least Alaska, but. Well, yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, Alaska would be an interesting. That'd be an interesting place to play. And uh, yeah. I mean, I guess you're flying, and uh, obviously, and um, yeah. I mean, they've had a team forever. I mean, uh, and in this year, I mean, we'll we'll go into it here. I mean, they have Keith McCambridge. They're for you old Dub fans. Old McCambridge was the coach, and of course, Alaska had a great team this year. They, you know, uh, lost in the final to uh, South Carolina, but. Um, of course, we had the aforementioned uh, Lance Galbraith on the team, and uh, oh, yeah. and then of course, but they had uh, you know Stephanie, like you said, and uh, mm-hmm. um, another guy, Jordan Foreman, uh, was another kid. Oh yeah, and then they had uh, Robin Richards, uh, who played thirty games, one hundred and sixty minutes. Of course, he he bounced around uh, the East Coast League. He played a year in the in the famous LNAH in the out in Quebec, and then uh, mm-hmm. played in the Central League, and he had uh, nineteen tilts that year. Um, but Alaska finished tenth in fights at sixty nine. Um, yeah, so like you said, for the it was Scott Burt. There's another guy, uh, old WHL guy. He played in Idaho forever, um, and then went ended up in Alaska for the last couple of years. Very solid East Coast Hockey League player. So uh, yeah, man, there there you go. Uh, it's a tough team in Alaska for sure. Oh yeah, they had they had that. Any way you wanted to play, and then plus they had Nick Tuzzolino, right? He was about yeah. six five or whatever, you know. You know, any way you wanted to play, Alaska could do it. You know, they were they were very similar to the Vegas team, the Vegas style, where they had they had toughness galore. Um, they had they had guys who could put the puck in the net. They had 
solid defenseman. Any way you wanted to play, they could do it. And that's why the Vegas and Alaska games were always must-see games because, especially this year, because they're going to be very entertaining. There's going to be scoring. There's going to be fighting. Um, there's going to be hitting. You know, everything that makes the hockey makes hockey great was going to happen in those games. You know, that that was the rivalry that year. You know, Robin Richards was was their guy. He was their heavyweight. Uh, I think him and Spencer probably fought maybe what three, four, five times that year. Yeah. Um, some some beauty fights. I think the first fight of the year for uh, either team was was Spencer versus Richards, and um, that that was. You know, those guys would just go toe-to-toe, pretty evenly skilled. Um, I think Spencer might have got Richards a couple of times, and I think maybe uh, Richards might have had a couple, you know, a draw in one, of the, in one of the fights. But Spencer seemed to be getting a little bit of an edge on, on Richards that year. But, um, yeah, but then they had guys like, like you said, Foreman was a little, you know, he was something else. You know, they had a lot of those guys that just would get under your skin and, you know, Foreman's definition and, and Galbraith. What a trifecta of just pest and rat players you did not want to play against, but they were, they were effective. They, they, they played the game well. They did their jobs and, you know, every now and then you'd be able to get them to drop their gloves and fight. And, um, then you'd be, you were hoping your, your guy would maybe rub their face in the ice a little bit after the fight, but, Seems they never they they never seem to got to get the the, the whooping that they probably deserve, but they were they were a fun team to watch, I tell you. Yeah, well, then uh, yeah, and then like I said, go down the next one, Idaho. They finished second that year in that in that division, and uh, Derek Laxdahl's the coach, and uh, same thing. I, you know, Marty Flickle, Garrett Bembridge, there's a couple Western Hockey League guys that people around here will remember Bembridge playing for the Blades all those years. I mean, he played four years in Saskatoon. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, but they had, uh, they, how many fights did they have? They, they finished, uh, uh, seventh with 72 fights. So, I mean, they, you know, you know, Kyle Radke, uh, Stevenson, um, you know, they, they certainly, uh, you know, and actually at, at a, at a 19 year old, uh, who played right at the end of the year named Luke Gazik ended up coming down oh, yeah. and playing for Idaho, uh, briefly, uh, before he went on to uh, the AHL and then, of course, the NHL. Man, I was a huge fan of Luke Gazdick. I'm going completely off script here, but I was a big Gazdick fan. I liked him. I was, yeah, he was tough as nails, right? Like, yeah. he was a guy that you know he wasn't. He he'd scrap a little bit here and there. He was, you know, he was more of like a guy who would, I don't know, maybe maybe not really take on the tough guy role, but would fight when he had to, but. Man, when he got to the NHL, talk about a guy doing whatever it took to stay up there, and he was one of them. Man, he, he, and he was, and then he started knocking dudes out. Right? Yeah, like, he was a guy that wasn't even really a main heavyweight, and all of a sudden he was knocking dudes out, and it was just like, dude, this guy is awesome. Yeah, I always say with Gazdick, right? It's a shame. I said he always he came around a decade too late. I mean, you know, he yeah. probably would have stuck around longer if he had, uh, you know, come around in the late nineties, but. Uh, um, but yeah, they, uh, yeah, I just, I was scrolling. I'm like, oh, Gazdick. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that he was, he was there in Idaho briefly, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, just, it looked like it towards the end of the season after yeah. he was done in juniors. It's too bad because Idaho could have definitely used them that year. They, they had a lot of, you know, more of the middleweight, lightweight, kind of ratty type players. Um, 
with, but, uh, you know, Kyle Radke, unfortunately, had to be, like, their main main guy, and he was complete. you know, he was only probably, like, 5'10", 5'11", 6 foot. Um, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a main heavyweight, and unfortunately, that year, he had to take on more of the, the duties of being the tough guy on the team, but they had a real good team, you know, they had, like you said, Marty Flickle, right, he's a East Coast legend, you know, yeah. good player, tough as nails, you know, he, he dropped the gloves every now and then, but, you know, he put the points up as well. So, um, unfortunately, that year they didn't have a huge rivalry, even though they had a couple games where they did have some brawls with, with Idaho um, just because the Vegas team was just so tough. And But, um, yeah, when it came to, like, heavyweight on heavyweight matchups, unfortunately, Idaho wasn't as tough as uh, previous years or even after because I think Huxley ended up coming to the team a uh, couple years later, but um, but they were definitely a fun team to watch. They had some good skill on that team. Yeah, well, and then, of course, uh, the next team was uh, the Victoria Salmon Kings. And, I mean, the team this year, Victoria, was soft as baby shit. You know, uh, finished 22nd, in, well, last in the league in fights with 38. And... Um, yeah, although I did say their leading scorer with 48 goals was Wes Goldie. He's the old uh, Sorrell mission from the from the Quebec League. I had to, I had to throw uh, old Wes in. But, uh, I was just going to actually say, poor Wes Goldie, right? The guy's putting up almost 50 goals a year for the team, and they don't have anybody there to protect them. I, they had Olivier LaBelle on the team who is, you know, he's more of a mid- middleweight type guy. But when you have a guy that's probably going to put up 50 goals a year in that league, can you please give him some toughness to protect him? Yeah, well, and then exactly. And then another guy that they had, of course, the UK fans, Daryl Lloyd was over there. He's played in Belfast for a bunch of years. Um, but Sean O'Connor, um, you know, he, he, yep. played, he played over in, in Europe. And he, uh, you know. Played he, for Vegas. Yeah, yeah. And he was always a bit of a, an agitator. Um, yep. But I, you know, certainly wouldn't call him a big fighter or anything. No, he he'd probably get in his three, four, maybe even five fights a year. But he was he was more of like an offensively skilled guy who would mix it up and maybe drop him every now and then. Now and then, um, but yeah, one of the one of the guys who played for Moose Jaw that ended up on the Wranglers, right? Because you had Steve Crampton, Limpright, England all played Moose Jaw and all ended up in Vegas. That's true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I never. I never. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah certain... it was like their it was like their farm system for a little while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um oh, well and for those uh who uh he won defenseman of the year was uh Dylan Yo. And uh of course those are that's for my old uh the, the WHL fans out there. Of course he played for the uh Prince George and the Calgary Hitmen in the Western Hockey League and this was his uh rookie season where he uh uh, yeah, he he was a really good player, really yeah. good defenseman in, in the ECHL. I mean, he put every team he played on, he put up points for them in, in the coach. You know, he was definitely definitely better than that league. You know, he, his skill set. You know, he ended up going and you know, played overseas for a long time, but he was a really good player in the coach. Oh, absolutely. And uh, well, next, of course, we have the Utah Grizzlies and. Um... The the one guy that they had on their team, uh, well, they had, they they did have Justin Johnson for a little while. Everybody knows Justin yep. Johnson. Of course, he actually he, they ended up trading him to Cincinnati, and he actually led the East Coast League in fights that year with thirty one. 
But the wrecker, Joel Wrecker, oh, yeah. played there, and his uh, in, in his in his rookie year. Well, I guess it would be a second year pro. Um, I'm a massive fan of the wrecker. Right. Yeah, he's he's awesome, man. How, how can you not be a fan of Joel Reckless? The uh, guy is just tough as nails. Um, that year was kind of, if you look at his stats, like he only had about a hundred, he kind of had a, a leash on him, right? He only had 110 10 pins that year. And the crazy thing, because I, I think that year he ended up playing for the Islanders. Um, so I don't know if he was like on his best behavior because he knew he was going to get some call-ups or get, get looked at or whatnot. And they just told him, Hey, just make sure you stay in the lineup. You know, don't do anything crazy, but, um, he, he, yeah, we, every time we played them, he didn't, he didn't really do too much. I want to say there was one game, uh, where, uh, the Wranglers was, were in Utah. I think he kind of had a little blow up and beat up one of the Wranglers defensemen. Uh, I think it was Jason Dest. Um, yeah, he, he kind of, I think he got thrown out the game there, but, uh, he never, he, I don't know why that year, for whatever reason, he wasn't really, uh, much of a factor. He he didn't go against Spencer. I, I think he might have had a fight against Mackway. I can't remember, but he didn't really go toe to toe with any of the guys on Vegas for whatever reason that year. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of a wild year, right, for him because it's like he played forty five games in Utah. Then he's up in the American League and plays four games with Bridgeport. Then he's with the Islanders for seventeen games. You know, so it's like you know he did he did the whole trifecta there from the East Coast yep. all the way up to the NHL. So. But yeah, that's and then, uh, it, and then you look at it, you got you got Joel Reckless and Justin Johnson to start the year, and then towards the end they weren't, you know, both guys were kind of gone. You know, Reckler, Recker was in the NHL, I think, at that point towards the end of the year. They brought him up, and then, um, you know, he was in the AHL for a handful. You know, and they didn't really have too many guys other than that. They had Will Bodine, who was you know pretty tough dude, but didn't fight a whole lot. You know, um, but those two guys were definitely. Something else. Yeah, you also had Evan Gustopoulos. And, but, yep. yeah, I mean, but certainly, yeah, when you go from, like, Segroy and Justin Johnson, I mean, you're legit heavyweights, too, you know, and then all of a sudden it's kind of gone. Um, yep. But, yeah, that, uh, yeah, the record, man, he's and, tremendous. And they only had... And they only had Gustopoulos for about 50 games because I think he ended up going to Mississippi at the end of the year. So they they really lost a lot, and they and they think they had Mike Segroy for one game, but yeah, you know these poor guys over here didn't have much toughness because uh, after that, and yeah, they had but, some good good offensive players on their team too. Oh yeah, well and Segroy, I mean with him it's like the Odyssey, right? I mean I think what is it? I'm just looking at he, 0809, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. He played on six teams. You know, Johnston yeah. and up to the American League at Syracuse and Utah for a game, then Almira for 17, and then Binghamton for a game and Norfolk for a game. And, you know, then the next year he's over in the UK and, you know, the back to Laredo halfway through the year. It's like, you know, don't unpack, Mike. <laughs> you know, it's just like. Just a world traveler. Yeah, when it comes to hockey, it's like, you know, you go to his hockey DB and you start scrolling. It's like you can get carpal tunnel. You know, it's like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he he was everywhere, but uh, but he was but he was an awesome guy to watch. I tell you, oh, tremendous! Yeah, oh yeah. And you just think with the 
at one time, you just Justin Johnson, Wrecker, and Segroy were all in that team. Um, yeah. That, you know, just, uh, you know, that's got three minor league legends right there, really. And, uh, yep. well, you got to see, you would have actually seen, uh, like when we talked, like I said, uh, Justin Johnson, um, he is an Alaska yep. guy, so he played in Alaska yep. for quite a bit, in the American League yep. for quite a bit. Um, so you actually would have seen a lot of Justin Johnson. Well, if you, if you see Justin Johnson's stats, it's kind of funny. Like the first couple of years, he didn't, you know, he only played like a handful of games when he turned pro. Like first year out of Anchorage, he played four games. The next year he played 16 games between Alaska and Idaho. Um, the year before though, for Utah, he was, you know, he, he played 57 games, had 118 penalty minutes. But I didn't think of Justin Johnson as this big heavyweight until this season when he was traded from Utah to Cincinnati and really, you know, he led the lead league in fighting majors. I didn't even think of him as like this big tough guy. And all of a sudden this dude explodes with all these fights and all these penalty minutes. And then he, you see, then he played in Alaska the next year. And then he was up in the AHL the, the year after that and eventually got, you know, knocked down John Scott, right? So. Um, it, it was just a weird thing that this guy didn't really, wasn't really on my radar until that year on 0809. And he just kind of exploded after that. Yeah, no, exactly. And it was, yeah, same thing. I mean, I, we, I had never really heard cause of course it's not like we're getting a lot of East coast league action around here. You no. Know? So it's like, um, and he was, and he wasn't a major junior guy. So we never saw him in the OHL or the dub or anything. He's an American guy that played in the USHL and then went four years of college, the college yep. at Alaska Anchorage, and then you know goes to the East Coast League. And then I only saw him when he started playing for Manchester in the American League, and it was yep. like, okay, this guy. And then of course and he was fighting all the heavies, fighting all the heavies. Yeah, and it was just like, who, who, like where did this guy come from? So you start looking, and it's like, oh, okay, and. Um, you know, in the East Coast League, even in the mid two thousands, around this time, like you and I were talking about it off air, it's a bitch to find footage. Like, there's no footage. Yeah. You know. Yep. And the East Coast League has done. We've, I've talked nauseam for whatever reason. I don't know if it's the league or whatever. If you put East Coast League fights up on a YouTube channel, they'll send you copyright strikes and cease and desist the whole nine yards. I don't know what their deal is. Because the NHL and the American League, every other league doesn't care, but for whatever reason, the East Coast League has a hard-on to get their fights off the internet. I have no idea what the problem is. but Yeah, I, it, it, it just kind of sucks because you have mo- all the footage that you really have on YouTube from the coast is like fan footage, right? So, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I remember telling you the first time we talked, I have I had a ton of footage that I, that I took and... Um, unfortunately i had him on a hard drive that took a crap so i'm trying to get my buddy to see if he can to to get it back but um but yeah that's what we got to rely on really is 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 fan footage and you know unfortunately this season you're i I was trying to do some research and try to you know find some footage and and rewatch it see if my memory's you know good (laughs) but you know there's it's it's hard you know and some of the stuff i remember being on youtube is not even on there anymore yeah, no, exactly, and uh, you know, and that and that's the and that's the tough thing. It's like, you know, you're, you're trying to, like you said, even trying to research for this, and it's just like, yeah, there's just nothing available. Yeah, it's 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 
it sucks, man. I don't know. But, uh, well, like you said, the next hit with Phoenix Roadrunners, another, you know, uh, Brad Church, for again, for us Western Hockey League fans, the old Prince Albert Raider player and first-rounder with Washington, played a long time in the minors, uh, took over as coach here. And, uh, yeah, they, you know, Phoenix, uh, eighth, you know, a bunch of fights, 71 tilts. Again, uh, James McEwen that we had talked about earlier. Yeah. Yep. He, he was in there. This is his first year out of... Uh, out of junior, out of junior, and of course, um, I was able to watch him in Seattle and Kelowna, and he had a ton of fights. And him and Garrett Hunt used to fight all the time, and uh, yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, he rolls into the East Coast League, fifty nine games, two hundred and twenty seven uh, penalty minutes, finished third in fights with twenty five. So he came out swinging out of the gates. Yeah, he. I don't remember him much uh, against the Vegas. Uh, that year, but I do remember him fighting Hunt and Huxley all the friggin' time. Like those guys, for, those guys are the same weight classes and they were always good fights. There was never a drop the gloves, grab on, fall down right away. No, these guys were throwing bombs right down the pipe. They wanted to see who was tougher every time they fought. Um, and you know, McEwen always put on a show. He was tough as nails, man. No, absolutely. And, uh, and uh yeah no i was uh i i was a i was a fan of McEwen for sure and uh and another uh cat that we were talking about off air that we had a little joke about but uh uh their leading scorer that year was uh old man Kimby Daniels uh oh yeah yeah who played forever in anchorage since well he played 8 years with the aces and all of a sudden in his final year as a pro he decides to play in phoenix for a year and, uh, you know, point to game guy and, uh, tremendous, uh, you know, had a, had a great minor league career. So, I mean, and he played in Alaska all those years. I was going to say, you had to have seen Kimby Daniels play quite a bit. Oh yeah. Kimby Daniels. Yeah. He I think, I'm pretty sure he was their captain for all them years too, but, uh, he was a hell of an East coast hockey league player. I mean, you need just check his stats. He was putting up, you know, eight, uh, at least a point per game. I don't, the lockout year, I don't know. He, kind of got moved down the lineup when Scott Gomez ended up playing for Alaska. But um, every other year he was putting up at least a point point per game. You know, he, he was a little guy, but he was full of piss and vinegar and would get mix it up with all these guys. He'd get right in there every single time. He, he did not give a shit. He was just out there to play. And um, he, he, another one of those guys where – on the other team, you hate his guts, but when he was on your team, you probably absolutely loved him. And, uh, you know, all them years, that, that's probably one of the reasons why the Alaska Vegas rivalry was so big is because Kimby Daniels was, you know, one of the guys that would kill the Vegas. Like he would score, you know, big goals for them and, you know, led them to a couple, uh, of those, uh, Kelly Cubs. No, absolutely. And, uh, of course, Kimby Daniels, famous record holder in the, uh, uh, in, in the Western Hockey League for scoring, I believe it is, is it seven goals in one game? I think so. I think he scored seven goals in one game. I know it's a record. And, uh, but yeah, he was a Philadelphia Flyer third round pick and never, you know, played, you know, 30 games in the NHL or whatever. Um, you know, never really panned out there. But yeah, he played in the minors a long time. And yeah, and uh, I think he's obviously made residence there in Alaska now. But, uh, yeah, I always, uh, I always, whenever going through the East Coast League stuff, his name always seems to pop up. It always gives me a chuckle when I see, uh, when I, when I see his name come up. 
But um, yep. Well, yeah. So, and of course, they you know Phoenix uh, finished out of the playoffs that year, and then uh, you know Fresno, um, of course, as we said before, folded up. But uh, you know they they had the makings of a tough team at the time, and and a good team when they folded up, unfortunately. But uh, basically, yeah, they were they had a they had a great team that year, actually. If you look yeah. at it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, eighteen and ten, and then they fold, right? So it's uh, you know, uh, with, you know, and Odette and Hagel and um, another guy, Brennan Turner. Um, you know, he bounced around. Of course, he ended up going to uh, uh, Gwinnett. Uh, and uh, well, so at this point, like we were saying with with Vegas, with their interesting schedule. Of course, they're playing the Pacific and the West teams all the time. Was there uh, was there ever a team that would come from the north every once in a while and just like show up and play a game? Yeah, there there would be. I want to say, I don't know if there was one this season. I'd have to double check if there was. I don't recall offhand, but there were times, you know, every now and then where Vegas would do a three game set in. I don't know. If, uh, I remember they were they were played the Florida Everblades one year. They they played a two or three game set one year. Um, I remember the Toledo Storm before they became the Walleye, Walleye came to Vegas for like two or three game set. I think the year before this. I think this year they didn't go anywhere. I think it was all within the uh, the conference or division. But uh, prior years you'd get the odd team come in for two three games and then. Vegas would go out to a different team for two or three games, but uh, um, very, very rarely did they ever play uh, teams from the other side. Yeah, well, and like you said, you mentioned the Florida, the South with the Florida Everblades. Of course, the South Carolina Stingrays, who won the league this year, the Kelly Cup, um, mm-hmm. coached by Jared Bednar, who is now uh, Colorado, Colorado. Uh, Avalanche yep. uh, head coach and having a lot of success there. Um and he played. He's an old Western Hockey League guy. Tough, tough dude. Played the minors for a while. He, he played in South Carolina for a few years. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Bednar could put it down when he had to. He didn't fight much, but when he did, he was good. Um, but uh, one of the guys on the on the South Carolina team um, uh, was is Nate Kaiser. And uh, Kaiser's a bad dude, man. He played in South Carolina there for five years, and uh, actually seven years. I know he lives there now, but, uh, yeah, I saw his name came up and it, uh, yeah, he's a tough dude. Yeah. Unfortunately I wasn't able to see, I, I didn't see most of those games over on that side of, uh, uh, the coast, but I mean, Nate Kaiser, how do you not know him? A dude spent was played a long time in the coast. And, you know, like you said, for South Carolina, all them years, and just absolutely tough as nails. I remember, I think he had, didn't he have like a bald head or something and yeah, he yeah. go out there and just, just, just starts just throwing bombs against guys. I, I remember him being just absolutely a monster. Yeah, always, would have loved to have him in the West for sure. Oh yeah, you know, big dude uh, played in the Ontario League with Plymouth. Uh, yeah, shaved head with the goatee, and then uh, you know, after this was all said and done, he decided to take up MMA and was a cage fighter for a while. And oh geez, yeah, he's 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 legit. He was uh, he's a bad dude, man. And of course, like I said, we said earlier with Spencer Carberry getting. When the team folded, yep. of course, he ended up in South Carolina. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you have him and, uh, you know, you had Patrick Weller for a little bit. And uh, Kip Brennan played a few games with, with uh, South Carolina that year. And uh, Look, Kip. Well, and then probably what uh, what probably turned their, their year around, uh, which got them probably the championship, 
was uh, I was looking it up, and they ended up right at the end of the year getting James Reimer, the goalie for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. They ended up getting him for their goalie right when the playoffs started. And I read, all of a sudden I see Reimer was a playoff MVP. So that probably explains why South Carolina ended up winning the championship. So, And they also had Michael Nueber uh, down there too for 13 games who ended up playing in the NHL for, you know, for Washington and some other teams that, that, uh, that I think was South Carolina. I was pretty sure it was like the, the minor league team to, to Washington. Um, the East Coast team to Washington. They had some stud goalies coming up through the system around that time for sure. Yeah, they did. And uh and it and it showed, right? Yeah, I mean with the success yeah. that they had. So um but yeah, it was interesting just kind of uh you know, we won't go over through all the teams, but I mean if you just look at some of the at some of just well look at the toughness of some of these teams. You know, we had you know, you had the, the Gwinnett Gladiators, um where they had Dan Sullivan, but they also had uh, a guy that I was a big fan of, Miles Stays. And um, and then Brennan Turner um, on that team, and uh, yeah, Miles stays. He was uh, yeah. He ended, he ended up. Getting... Go ahead. I, I remember Miles. I, I I always was intrigued by him because I I thought he was going to have a longer career than he did. I'm not quite sure what uh, ended up happening with him, but he was he was a big boy. I remember him being what like six four, six five, or something, and just uh he, he came out and started wrecking guys he, i think he was going up and down from the ahl to the coast and i don't think he ever got a game in the in the nhl but i just remember him being uh, just another monster on in the in the east like another guy was like man why can't he be on like uh you know victoria or something who's soft as hell you know he could have used a guy like him over here yeah, he played out in Spokane and then uh, Chilliwack and Regina in the Western League, and he was always willing, put up a ton of fights, fought everybody, uh, was drafted by the Atlanta, and then, of course, they folded, and then he ended up in the Devil's Farm team. So he ended up with Trenton and Lowell and Albany, and he'd kind of go back and forth between Albany and yep. Trenton and stuff. And, uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, I know he played a, about seven games there at the end, and uh, I want to say, yeah, he was young, 24, when he was when he retired. I know uh, – you know, I, he's got some head issues now, and unfortunately, and, uh, you know, there's. I think he's involved in some lawsuit and stuff now. I think it's, it's not good, uh, which is too bad. But, uh, yeah. but, but during his playing time, yeah, he was a, he was a bad dude, man. And, uh, Heck yeah. Yeah, and well, and then another guy uh, I we talked about briefly was uh, Dan Sullivan. And, I mean, he played in Augusta and Pensacola. I mean, a guy that you wouldn't have seen, obviously, in Vegas, but I mean, he was around the East Coast League for a number of years, and I know I've seen his name. I'm not going to go on like I'm a Dan Sullivan expert or anything, but I know no. through some seeing some of the fight cards and and stuff, his name does come up quite a bit. Um, uh, you know, as an opponent for guys that when I see it, so yeah, he was around. So uh, yeah, fairly tough team there. And then um, actually, it was it was funny. One of the teams, uh, of course, the team that folded Augusta. You know they only they only played the eighteen games, but uh, their uh, their leading scorer at the time was a Patrick Bortolo. <laughs> you know, it, big Patrick. Yeah, well, it, you know, which might explain why they folded. I don't know if he's your leading <laughs> scorer, but I mean, yeah, he had ten points in eighteen games, so there you go. But he had, I know he had three fights, but uh, yeah, he ended up. No, uh, he was he was a solid East Coast Hockey League player. Like, yep. he, he he put up points wherever he was in that in that league. Um, uh, you know, I didn't think he was going to end up being a tough guy in the NHL because you know he he didn't fight a whole lot you know early on in his career. But um, 
he was a hell of a player uh, in the coast for sure. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, big dude. And I think he's just one of those guys that I think he sort of realized at the time that it's like, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, sh- I should probably, you know, maybe start start fighting here if uh, if if I'm going to if I'm going to make it. So, um, but yeah, yeah well, I, he did. And he did. Absolutely. And, yeah. uh, you know, and it's um, what was the, you know, we well, in the few other the divisions. One of the names I wanted to bring up, and uh, when I was looking, and of course we, you know, go to the north here as the last division to talk about. But the team that finished first in the north um, uh, was the with the Trenton Devils, and uh, one of the guys on the, on Trenton. Well, they had two guys. They had Thomas Harrison, um, mm-hmm. you know, who had eighteen fights, and but another guy that they had was Kevin Cormier. And uh, he was a big kid that came out of a, uh, a lot of hype coming out of the Quebec Junior League. And uh, and he was basically kind of one of the kingpins of the league. And uh, it was interesting. He, yeah, he played briefly in, in, uh, in the East Coast League with Trenton. He played a couple games with, uh, with uh, Lowell. And then all of a sudden he was out of hockey. And then, uh, you know, played a few years in the LNAH and, and with a comeback. But uh, he never really panned out as a pro. But... Uh, yeah, I remember. I just remember seeing that name, and uh, I remember in junior there in the early two thousands, he was a big name coming out of the queue. Was uh, Kevin Cormier? So it's funny you bring up Kevin because I was like, man, I remember Miles having like another guy with him that was bouncing up and down between yep. Lowell and Trenton, and then it was that's who it was. It was Kevin Cormier. I remember him. He, I, I, I want to say right out of the gate, I want to say he knocked someone out. I, I can't remember who it was. Just when you said his name, I'm like, did he KO a guy early on in his career? Just came out swinging. But he was another guy, like you said, didn't, you know, we thought we he was going to have a longer career and uh, do more damage than he did. And he just unfortunately went, went to the LNAH right after his second year and, uh, you know, with the the Devils organization, and that was pretty much you know a couple of years in the LNAH, and that was it. Yeah, exactly. And I think, uh, yeah, you're the right out of the gate. He was playing for the Arizona Sun Dogs in the Central League, and I I know what you're talking about. He did drop a guy, and I, and I, yeah, it, it's escaping me who it was, but he started off real. It's like, oh yeah, here we go, and uh, it just never, it just couldn't, uh, it just didn't click at the pro level for him. I don't think fight wise. I don't think he was. It wasn't that. Like I think fighting, he did fine. It was just, you know, I just think uh, I think he had just had he just Being had injuries. Pro. Yeah, just injuries and yeah. just skill wise, just wasn't there. But uh, um, yeah, but yeah, it was interesting with with him. I saw his name come up, and I'm like, oh yeah, right, Cormier. But uh, and, yep, and then Tommy, uh, you know, Tom Harrison. Uh, he he was a tough dude too, man. He he. He played so the year before he played for Trenton, and but he played two preseason games for Vegas, and I was at that game. It was against Bakersfield. He fought uh, David Kadelka, and he fought I can't remember. Um, oh my gosh, it, this guy played in the LNAH, and I can't even think of his name. I'm, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. But he, I was like, I, I thought, man, this guy's pretty not. You know, he two fights in the preseason. Who the hell is this guy? You know, I like him. You know, I, I hope he sticks around and. Uh, he ended up, they ended up, I think, releasing him and they ended up getting picked up by, by Trenton. I think he led the league in, uh, in fighting majors that next year in 07, 08. But, uh, yeah, he was a tough dude too, man. An- another guy I thought would maybe have a longer career, uh, playing pro, but, you know, packed it up after what, two, three years pro. So, 
Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. But yeah, he, he was, he's a big dude too. And, uh, but yeah, put up, put up some pims for sure. But, uh, mm-hmm. well, the next thing I was going to talk about was, uh, Cincinnati. And of course we, uh, we already talked about Justin Johnson. Of course he got traded there. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the characters on this team, um, now where is he here? I'm, I'm trying to, wow. Now I can't, now I can't find him. Oh, here he is. He, he only played three games with him, but, um, and he ended up in, uh, Elmira. Um, was Joe Grimaldi and uh, a very polarizing figure uh, in the minors. And I know he's, uh, he might be listening to this. He has been a past guest on my show. For those listening, uh, go back in the archives and listen to the Joe Grimaldi interview. He, uh, he tells some interesting stories. He wasn't afraid to throw shade. We'll put it that way. But uh, for the UK folks over there, he was involved in a helmet throwing incident and uh and he got into it online with a bunch of the UK fans and back then. And uh, he's a very, uh, I know I got a lot of shit from the UK folks about that episode. I can tell you that. But uh, yeah, I saw his name. I, I had forgotten he had been in the East Coast League that year. And I saw his name come up when we were doing the research. And uh, yeah, for those that want an interesting interview, check out my interview with Grimaldi. He's uh, quite the character. But uh yeah, Cincinnati, and uh, yeah, so I saw that, and I just, I had to mention that, but uh, but Elmira, the following, they were coached, of course, by Steve Martinson, legendary minor league coach, Steve Martinson. Oof, that dude's, uh, that dude's awesome. No, absolutely, and a uh, little bit, a little bit before my time, but I, you know, I've seen, I've seen footage of him, and he's just, that dude was not afraid to drop him and throw him with anyone. I, didn't he have the, the, the three fights with Semenko, wasn't that Martinson? Yes. yes. In the preseason? Yeah, very good. Yes, yes. We, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, but uh, man, what did, uh, he's, you know, he played for a long time in the minors, did play some NHL games, but minor league guy put up tons of penalty minutes. And then, of course, he coached, uh, in San Diego forever back in the old West Coast mm-hmm. Hockey League and tremendous one, two, three, four, five, six, won six championships. Then he went to the Central League and he coached the Allen, and well, he's still in Allen from 2011. And he's still there today. But the Allen Americans of the Central League, they won four championships in a row when he took yep. coaching. And uh, well, we were just saying at the start of the show here how hard it would be to coach in the minors at a, at especially at a, at a, at the East Coast League level when it's when it's so transient, right? When guys are up and down and called up and called down, you know. And here this guy yep. is winning championships. It's like unbelievable. And like I said, he's a really well, he's, he's just a great recruiter. It didn't help. It didn't hurt that uh, it didn't hurt him that he had Chad Costello putting up a hundred and something points each year for uh, for Allen. Yes. Uh, he, he, that dude, that dude's an absolute stud in the East Coast League. He, he was he, he was a good player in the AHL too. I don't I don't understand why he didn't get more time in the A, but. I think you know Costello and, and Jack Combs was another guy that was putting up huge numbers for Allen um, when they when they won. But he they they're both on the team again this year, and they're you know they're closing in on forty years old, both of those guys. So uh, yeah, Martinson needs a hell of a coach in the East Coast League. Yeah, and and the thing was, and again, all we, and you know, and of course, you know, he's always going to have you know tough guys, and uh, you know. Um, you know, just just in terms of this year, uh, uh, where's my notes here? Yeah, they finished fifth in fights with seventy three, and 
Uh, you just go down. Of course, they had you know they had Segura for a while and uh, Caleb Betts and um, Lapine, Guillermo Lapine, uh, Lapine, and uh, Derek Couture, and it was just like just guys like that. And um, uh, you know there was oh, yeah. there, there was always going to be some toughness on a Martinson team for sure. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I didn't get to see much of that team, uh, you know, since it's the other uh, the other side. But uh, you know, you, you just look at you know all the guys that he had, like you said, and, uh, it must have been a fun team to watch that season for sure. They had a, a lot of skill, a lot of toughness, and um, you had guys like even even had guys like Chad Johnson, you know, playing on that team that year, you know, and he had 250 pims the year before and almost a point a game and. Um, and he, I think he played most of the year in, in Binghamton that year, but I mean, just even guys like him on that team, uh, just putting pucks in the net and dropping the gloves when need be. Yeah, well, there you go, Chaz Johnson, exactly. And another guy I didn't realize, Bruce Watson. I mean, there you go. I mean, that, at that point, he was 31 years old, but tough dude, played in the U Haul forever with Asheville and stuff, 400 minutes. And, you know, but he had played with Martinson in Rockford with the Ice Hogs. And of course, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, put up a ton of minutes. So obviously, Martinson brought him in for one last run there in Elmira, you know, and uh, 19 games, 53 minutes. So yeah, I mean, certainly a tough team in Elmira, without a doubt. And uh, you know, and of course, then another uh, kind of another kind of famous kind of tougher franchise is you know Wheeling, and um, you know the old Wheeling Nailers, uh, famously. And um, you know, and, and this year was you know kind of. Uh, not, not, uh, they actually, surprisingly, they, well, they had Andrew Lord, but they also had, uh, uh, Cedric Bernier and, uh, Jason Payne for the, for those folks, uh, old painter, but, uh, yeah, Wheeling, kind of one of those legendary minor league towns. Yeah. Another team, unfortunately, I, I didn't get to see much of, but, uh, you know, you just named a bunch of guys who were tough as nails, fun to watch. Andrew Lord, you know, he, he, I, bounced around from you know a couple different leagues uh uh a guy when he dropped the gloves and he was ready to go he could do some damage you know he was a good good scrapper but you know sometimes it seemed like he didn't really want to do it as much but he was tough as nails when he did want to do it um yeah looking down Cedric Bernie I don't really I don't really remember much of him um but uh yeah I don't yeah, Jason Payne was tough. Didn't he play in the? I want to say, didn't he play in the LNAH for a little bit too? Oh yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he played yeah. Uh, Verdun yeah. and played with Quebec, and yeah, he played quite a bit in the LNAH. But yeah, and he played in the old U Haul yeah. League and stuff. And uh, yeah, he's actually the uh, he's the head coach. He's the head coach now there uh, in uh, Cincinnati in the East Coast League. Yeah, and uh, oh wow, yeah, he's uh, he's a tough dude for sure, and uh, had some. Yeah. Some some great matchups back in the old Colonial Hockey League days and stuff, um, but yeah, just just one of those teams. Yeah, you just think the Wheeling Nailers and of course the next, like these teams right here, Wheeling and the Johnstown Chiefs and the Dayton Bombers. Like you talk about three yeah. teams that just sound like minor league teams. It, there it is, right? Well, and I mean, well, well, that's the East Coast League, right? Those yeah. are the teams that have been in the East Coast League forever. You know the teams that really we've been kind of talking about you know out west was the old wchl the west coast hockey league that merged into the east coast league so you know the 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 echl when you think of echl you think of wheeling you think of johnstown you think of you know reading all them teams you know those those are the east coast league oh absolutely without a doubt and uh you know and and he just uh 
you know, a team like Johnstown. Well, this year, uh, we had, uh, you know, uh, Trevor Hendricks, Jason Spence, and of course, Weapon X. You have Alex Penner there, you know, in his, uh, you know, and then, and then Segroy for a little while. I mean, you know, the, you know, those folks in Johnstown would have just been, uh, you know, chomping at the bit when these guys were there. Oh my gosh. Like talking about a, a team with all heavyweights, right? You got Jason Spence, you got Segroy, you got, that was Spence's, I think, last year in Johnstown or last year playing pro. Um, he played for Vegas a couple of years earlier um, with that Huxley, you know, when Huxley was on the team right before we were talking about earlier, right before, you know, they let him go. But uh, yeah, they, they had a lot of toughness. And th- those would have been fun games that Vegas got to play them. Trevor Hendricks, Hendricks was a tough dude, good defenseman in the coast, um, would fight anyone. Uh, and then Alex Penner, this is pretty much early on, right, in his career. And then he ended up terrorizing the East Coast League and the West couple of years later when he was on Colorado, but you know, what, what a team to go see every night and see him just either beat up or, or beat, you know, doesn't look too much on the scoreboard. I'm not, I can't, I don't know what they finished that year, but definitely you're going to see him beat up some guys uh, on the ice for sure. Yeah. It, it, I always say it'd be one of those things. It just, it, it's one of those, uh, you know, I mean, it's all different now and whatever, but I mean, it, it would just be something to just to see that old rink, you know, and of course, with the slap shot history there and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I know, I know, like when I've had players on the show and, you know, I always talk about like when they, if they were East Coast League guys, what was it like to go into Johnstown for the first time? And, and they, and they all say the same thing, right? Cause everybody's watched slap shot 3000 times. So it's like, oh yeah, here we are, right? We're in town of slap shot and, you know, you go into that old rink and, you know, you see the, the, the town and everything. And it was just, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really that, that, you know, for lack of it, it's that minor league moment, right? When you go into Johnstown, that is the minor leagues. That's the bus league right, right there is Johnstown, you know? and Right. It's, it's, it's like, it's like when you go, you know, to say a Madison square garden, the NHL, you're seeing like, okay, this is the big time. What's well, like, well, Hey, you're going to Johnstown. And you're like, this is, this is, you know, this is the coast. This is the minor league. This is the slap shot. This is everything, you know, this yeah. is what you expect minor league rink to be you know it just you're you're you know that when you step foot in there it's going to be a battle right either on the ice or maybe even sometimes off the ice but uh you know it 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 it, you know with you know the modern day age and all these you know the east coast league being a part of the nhl and all this you know you're not going to get those old barns anymore you're gonna you're gonna get the state of the art and you know your ten dollar beers or whatever and you know, it's not going to be the same as it used to be. No, exactly. Well, and it's funny, like you said, with every guy that I've had on, they're like, oh, it was really cool. Johnstown was cool to see once. Is that after you see yeah. it a bunch of times, it starts losing its luster real quick. But the first time right. they said they always enjoyed going in there. But after that, it's like, yeah, I don't want to go there anymore. But, uh, but yeah, it's certain. And again, with, and the same thing with the next, with Dayton, it's the same thing. And, uh, you know, I was just like a Dayton Bombers. Like, that just sounds like a minor league team. But, <laughs> you know, but of course, you know, and they had, had Britt Doherty that year. Actually, another guy from the Quebec League, I talked about Kevin Cormier earlier. Marty Doyle was another guy that had a big rep coming out of, uh, coming out of the, pardon me, the Quebec League. And uh, yeah, he only actually ended up playing, uh, he must have always had injuries. He only played three games that year. But, um, you know, three games, you know, three tilts in three games. But, uh uh, yeah, he was another guy, and then he was out of hockey, unfortunately. But that was always a guy 
again that I, I I really wanted to see at the pro level because he was he, he was uh, so tough in the Quebec League but or in the Quebec Junior League. But uh, didn't he have like a legendary toe to toe scrap in the in the Quebec League? I want to say Marty Doyle did, and that's what kind of because I remember him coming pro turning pro, and I was like, oh, I can't wait for this guy. I just can't but see. I can't remember who. Who it was? I used to I used to know all this stuff offhand, but you said that toe to toe fight. Him and Cormier. was it Cormier? Yeah, him and Cormier. Uh, yeah, he he one was in Quebec, the other one was in St. John's, uh, and yeah, and there's that, and they would fight a bunch of times, and they they knocked each other down a couple times. I think Cormier buckled them, and but yo know, Doyle had awesome fights with Tidball, and oh he was he was uh, yeah he was a tough dude, man, and uh, yeah he had some great tilts, and uh, yeah. But yeah, him and yeah. Corm- I remember being excited for him to turn pro. It, just like you said, we were talking same insert Cormier, right? You could say the exact same thing about him. You know, excited for him to come in, and you know they didn't. You know, only played a couple of years pro, but uh, uh, those junior years of those two guys were awesome for sure. Yeah, they, they, there was kind of the three guys that were really pumped up out of that league were Cormier, Doyle, and that Jonathan Trombley, the Hammer Trombley. That was the other guy that they. Oh had. yeah. That everybody, you know, everybody want, and it was interesting, and like, uh, you know, n- none of them really s- stuck around in pro, and uh, um, you know, unfortunately, but you know, but at that time in the Quebec League in the junior, I mean, man, there were some tough guys around coming out of there. I mean, you had uh, Pierre Luc LeBlanc, Ryan Hand, mm-hmm. all those guys, Jimmy Bono, um, Bono, who I mean, he played in the American League forever, um, man, the Tidball. You know, there was just some really tough dudes coming out of the Quebec League at that time. It, all those guys you just named, they all could fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were they weren't just tough, but they could fight. Um, Trombley, though, yeah, like you said, he he was kind of underwhelming when he came um, to the coast. I remember the year before. I want to say he was on Fresno in oh eight oh nine or oh uh, seven oh eight. Yep. Um, and he fought Ryan Donnelly a couple times, and they were just they they were they hugged and felt like it wasn't much of a scrap. And I just remember thinking like, didn't this guy have like 600 pims or something one year in the coat or in the, in the, in the Quebec league? Like I thought he was going to be more of a, you know, more of a, uh, a badass coming out, but I, I don't know. Teach his own, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things, especially in junior. I think sometimes what happens is some of these guys just, they develop so early, right. And they become, they kind of the men amongst boys. And, you know, they become, they're 6'4", 230 when they're 18, right? You know, and yeah. so they're just like hammering guys. And then um, I think what happens is they turn pro and now all the heavyweights they're fighting are 6'3 they're, they're and 240. So it's like, and then I think reality sort of sets in. Everyone sort of catches up to them at that point, you know, or, and, uh, you know, and they take a few losses all of a sudden and it's they're not used to it or you're not used to getting manhandled because now they're fighting men. And, uh, you know, so when it's happened, lots of, you know, there's been some guys in the WHL that like a, with a Josh Caron and stuff like that, that were, you know, that the champs kind of, and then they, you know, they turn pro and it just doesn't really work out for them. I mean, there's also, well, the, you know, the skill factor as well, right? Obviously skill wise, right. just couldn't do it, but, um, yeah. Well, another, another guy like that, I, I remember I, Huxley even mentioned it in his interview was, uh, Thomas Bellamere. Uh, you know, he had that big year in the queue and then I think he turned pro in 04, 05. Um, and then they got rid of Huxley and then they brought in Bellamare, 
the, that year. And he just, he's completely underwhelmed. It looked like he didn't, you know, want to be in, in the coast anymore. And then he ended up spending the rest of his year in the LNAH, you know, rest of his career. Um, uh, he was just one of, another one of those guys that I thought was going to be, you know, a, a top heavyweight in the ECHL and just, was just kind of there. Like he fought. I think. I think that year with Vegas, he only had like seven or eight fights in fifty games. Yeah. I was. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting. I can't. I. I mean, I've done so many interviews and everything else. It's, uh, I. I don't remember the details. But when Huxley left Vegas, was it because of Gullickson? Like him and Gullickson didn't get along. Was that what happened? Or am I? No. He. No. He. He loved being there. He loved Gullickson. I. I, I think he said something like. Uh, they were just looking for, I don't, I don't know. They, I can't, I can't, you know what? That's funny. Now I can't think of it, but I remember him saying he loved Gully. He loved being there and it was just something didn't work out. And then they had Bellamare who was supposed to be like the next big tough guy in the coast. And so I guess Huxley kind of became a little expendable. So, and they were just kind of going in a different direction, which I think they missed the playoffs that year. So not that great of a direction. No, no, exactly. Well, the final team we'll talk about before we wrap it up, of course, is the Reading Royals, who, well, I don't, I don't know what this says. They finished dead last, but they finished first in fights. So, I don't know. Well, so that'll give the anti-fight folks all the ammunition they need. But uh, they they led the league with uh, with 93 fights. And uh, one of the characters that they had, Scott Langdon, was on the team. But another guy that was on this team uh, was Kevin Harvey. Oh yeah, he. I remember Harvey. He was he was he was another tough dude. Like he he bounced around from from you know uh, team to team early on. But uh, I wish another guy that would have fit perfect in the West, right? He would have fit perfect fighting guys like Hunt and Huxley and you know all, all that. You know McEwen, those, those type of dudes. But I remember him just just being a, a you know a guy that would just go out there and just mix it up with anyone. Yeah, I mean, played in Syracuse for a bunch of times, and he was in Elmira for a while, and he bounced around a little bit, and uh, you know, played in Coventry for the one year, and over in the UK. And um, interesting guy, I you know, he's one of those guys for whatever reason it was you know mid to you know mid two thousands. I was sort of I, I I guess I really wasn't paying that much attention, and I just didn't. Mm-hmm. I, he's just one of those guys that flew under my radar, but he put up a ton, like you know, put up a ton of minutes. I mean you know, had back-to-back 200-minute years of Syracuse, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, what the hell was I watching, right? Like, I'm like, how do I yeah. know? Because, I mean, you know, because that, that was the year Morasti was there with him. So, I mean, I was paying right. attention because Morasti was there. I'm like, how did I not pay attention to Kevin Harvey? I don't I don't know why. But, um... Well, because Morasti was putting on a show, right? Well, Morasti was, he was, he had all the attention on him. They also had, what, Tom Sestito on the team? Yeah. So, you know, there wasn't too many heavyweights for Harvey. So it's hard to, hard to find a dance partner when he's there. Yeah. Well, you know, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you got, yeah. Number, number of characters with Sestito and Dorset and, you know, all those guys. But, uh, well, that was, uh, you know, there, there's the, you know, we kind of just kind of, you know, went over the, uh, the rosters and everything for the, uh, for the 08, Oh nine year of the East Coast League and uh, and like we were saying at the start, right? That that's that that's sort of the frustration with that league is not seeing half the league. That's going to be frustrating right. as a fan, right? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you, like, I mean, how many guys would that we named that I would have just been, you know, just Kevin Harvey. How, it would have been awesome seeing him over here in the West and having him go with, you know, you know, uh, like a Sean Limpright, right? Sean Limpright's tough as nails, and that's more of his, you know, weight class. But uh, you know, there's just so many matchups that could have happened that we unfortunately weren't able to see because they just played their own division. Yeah, and that's unfortunate, but. Uh... But you know, the, you know the Wranglers, and uh, you know, unfortunately, they're not there anymore. And you know, it's a you know a different hockey now. I mean, like we were just talking. Of course, you'll have the Silver Knights there, and uh, you know, and all that in the American League. But uh, I don't know those those early Wrangler years. There, there was something. I don't know. There's just something about the the the, the lower minors that sort of uh, you know, sort of as a, as a fight fan, you sort of gravitated to back then. Oh, absolutely. And then how many legends have come from, from Vegas? You had like, uh, you know, Derek England, right? The first couple of years you had, he, he played pro, he played in Vegas and he ended up playing in the NHL. And now he's a legend here in Vegas, you know, in, in Vegas because he played for the Knights. Um, you had guys like, uh, Huxley, you know, start his career off in Vegas, you know, the bunch of these guys that we all know and love from the, from the minors that played here. And, and it's a shame that, you know, the game's kind of changed a little bit, and we're not going to have all these guys who, you know, for years we just followed and loved because they were willing to drop the gloves. They're just dinosaurs now, unfortunately. Yeah. Did you Have you ever had any interaction with England and Huxley? No, I've I've never, you know, like I said, I, I live in Henderson, so all the rinks, you know, the rinks are before they built the one uh, in Henderson, uh, the practice facility for the Knights. You know, most of that stuff happened on the other side of, uh, you know, the city. So, unfortunately, you know, I, I never was able to cross paths with most of those guys. You know, I, you know, there's some other guys who, you know, who've played, you know, around the way that, you know, you run into every now and then. But none of the none of the minor league legends that we all know and love, just kind of other, you know, other dudes. But Did you ever hear through the grapevine about fucking, you know, about the team getting it? Yeah, I mean, it's Vegas. I mean, you're ever going to get in trouble on the road. Or if you played for the Wranglers, I mean, there's plenty. Of, well, I mean, the Raiders are finding plenty of ways to get into trouble in Las Vegas. It's like, did you ever hear about anybody, uh, any of the players or anything starting shit? Not so much on the the fighting level, but I've heard some stories about the after party level. I, I should say, I don't know. I shouldn't can you know say anything because it's all secondhand stories nothing i i know that actually happened so i i can't really comment on that but i i definitely know that there's there's been some times where some players have gotten into maybe a little too much fun here in vegas oh well i mean you you'd sort of expect them to i mean i remember right. everybody when the golden knights were they were always saying uh you know that was their that was their advantage that uh, you know was playing in Vegas because the teams would show up into town and you know the boys would you know get into it the night before and uh, they always say the Knights had the had the hometown advantage. But I was going to say with the Wranglers, I mean, there had well Huxley did tell a few Billy Tibbetts stories. There's got to be some Billy Tibbetts Las Vegas stories for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I I know there are for sure. I, I you know nothing that I could probably uh, to say uh, again. I don't. I, I have all these stories and I can't really say it because I, you know, I, I don't want people who might be involved in it get in trouble for it, but, uh, and definitely don't want Billy Tibbetts to get mad at anybody. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I, 
everybody who came here seemed to have a good time, and including the uh, let's just say the the, the linesmen, the officials also would partake in some good times from what I heard. So yeah, I, I'll leave I, you with that. I've heard the same thing. Yeah. So, and yeah. for, for folks, if you want to do, if you do want to hear a few Las Vegas stories, as we mentioned with Adam Huxley, a bunch of times, he has been a guest twice in this show, actually um, his very first interview. We tell lots of Las Vegas stories and he does tell some Billy Tibbetts stories and hanging out with the Diaz brothers and on and on. So Huxley was a very good guest about all things, Las Vegas Wranglers for sure. But, uh, well, man, I mean, there's that we there we took a we took a walk around the 0809 uh, Wranglers, uh, or well, not only Wranglers, but the East Coast League season. And uh, I want to thank you for uh, for taking the time. We spent a lot of time today talking um, about about your uh, about your time as a fan of the East Coast League. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I it, you know, I, it's hard because uh, I I love this team for so long and to have them fold it. Uh, it, it it really you know it, it kind of took I, I kind of lost a little bit of love for hockey and love for minor league hockey especially now when there's like the what ten fight rule or whatever it was now yeah, yeah. but uh, but I tell you what man it, it I was lucky to be here uh, when this team was uh, going on because there was a lot of fun moments and a lot of a lot of tough dudes uh, that came through Vegas. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, when they folded the team, was that sort of, like, the owner of the Wranglers, him and the Orleans kind of got into it, didn't they? Wasn't that the problem? Yes. Yeah, well, it had nothing to do with, uh, like, oh, he was losing money or anything, was he? Like, wasn't it? Well, he was... no, I don't, I, I don't think he was losing money. I think what happened was was uh, the Boyd Gaming, who owned the Orleans, they just kind of were like, hey, we're, we're done. We just, we don't want you guys here anymore. And they're like, well, what? Yeah, we're we're done. We don't want you here. Your contract's up. We're not going to renew. We don't want hockey here anymore. Um, we're just going to, you know, leave you guys to figure it out. And that happened. I want to say a little bit over the halfway point of the season, that their final season, that that the news kind of broke out that you know Vegas was going to try to find a new home. And I mean, there were talks at uh, one of the casinos that uh on Fremont the name's escaping me right now, but they were gonna build a rink on top of the casino. And they were gonna have their games on top. It was the plaza, wasn't it? Yeah, the plaza, yep. The plaza was gonna have a, a rink they were gonna build it on top and they were gonna have the games out there, which I, I don't know how feasible that was gonna be, but um, you know, that never came to fruition and um, you know, the final game, it just that was it, man. They kinda after the last game, they tore the ice apart and kind of everybody had like a little party, uh, celebration, you know, remembrance of the Wranglers on the ice. And that was it until what, how many years later, the Orleans brought back the silver Knights. So it's just like, well, what the hell? But that's kind of how it ended, man. Just kind of abruptly and without much, you know, much, you know, uh, debate on whether or not the team was going to be able to stay there. It's just, nope, you guys are done. Get out of here and figure it out for yourselves. Uh, that's yeah, That seems to be sort of like life in the minors right there. In a nutshell, yeah. we'll wrap it up right there. You put a bow on it. Without any fanfare, you're done. And that was it. Yep. And, uh, you know, and, uh, well, I think we're done. I think uh, I want to thank uh, thank you for taking the time uh, today to come on the show, and I know we've talked uh, you know at length back and forth about this whole project, and I you know, and uh, I certainly hope you know this won't be the last time you come on, and we'll uh, 
I, I know you're one of them Red Wing guys, so I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe we can go talk about some old Red Wings sometime. We'll get you back on. We'll really throw it into your wheelhouse. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you want, man. Let me know. I'm willing to talk about. I just love hockey, hockey fights, and uh, whatever you want to talk about, man. I'm I'm totally game. Excellent. Well, I, and I forgot to tell folks, anybody listening to Anthony here, of course, for all you old fight board, message board guys, thehockeyfights.com and drop your clubs, he was Anthony19 was his username. Yep. So I, I know the old DYG guys, they'll know who you were. So I know and a bunch, oh, yeah. of, and a bunch of them are listening. So, um, you know, and hopefully, and I talked to Steve, uh, who's getting, uh, you know, drop your gloves 2.0 up and rolling. And uh, I know you had a lot to do with the old site. So, uh, you know, hopefully, yep. yeah, hopefully we can get you, Steve will get you back at, back in the fold here on the new one. And uh, I, I'm really looking forward to getting that site up and going again. Uh, yeah. Another thing, you know, with, with, you know, that, that was another heartbreak, right? You know, we lost the, the Vegas team and then DYG decides, uh, the dude that was running it decided he didn't want to do it anymore. And just one day just quit it cold Turkey. And it's just like, well, how else am I going to get all this information? That thing was just such a great catalog of, I don't know what hundred years of hockey on there of just yeah. hockey fights. I mean, it had stats that it had stats that other, you know, stat websites didn't have. Right. So, uh, it, it was, it was a sad day when that, that site ended. And, um, that's, that's really, that site was what helped me get, you know, my love for the minor leagues and even hockey fighting. Really, honestly, that site was awesome, man. Uh, you know, uh, it's a shame that it's not there anymore. And, you know, hopefully Steve can bring back a, an even better site, you know, and if and he ever needed anything, I'd, I'd be right there to help him. So. No, absolutely. And I, I've told him that and I know he's pumped up and I, I know you'll be hearing from him for sure. And, uh, no, I'm with you. Yeah, Perfect. When, that, when that site went down, that was, man, I mean, you know, I, we've lamented about that on here a million times, but, uh, yeah, that was, the, that was really the, the real hub of everything and had all that history there. So for that, when that left, that left a big hole and, um, hopefully we can, you know, get it back and, uh, you know, it's going to take, I mean, you know, at the same time, I think people have to realize like when the new site comes back up, it's not going to just be, Oh, it's just the way it used to be. Well, no, no. drop your gloves is around for 15 years. That, that was about a 15, 10, 15 year worth of information and people constantly adding to it all those years. Yep. So to expect this new one right out of the gate to be like that is a little, you know, a little far fetched. I mean, it's going to take a long time for it to grow back and get to where it was to even get to where it was, let alone to be better. So, um, I mean, hours, hours and hours spent of putting, you know, the yeah. SJHL fights on there, the old Western League fights, and even just trying to find box scores to have the fights. Running in, uh, running into dead ends when you think you found box scores, you know, from certain, you know, years that weren't even on DYG. But, you know, just hours spent. And it just kind of sucks that that site's not around anymore. But what are you going to do? Yeah, well, like you said, we're coming back here. We're bringing it back. And, uh Hopefully we'll we'll build it back up to its former glory for sure. But uh, anyway, man, I'll let Perfect. you go. I know you've got uh, you know we've got we have lives to do away from the microphone here. So um, I think the wives are not real pleased with us right about now. But uh, <laughs> uh, nope. anyway, Anthony, I want to thank you again very much for coming on and taking the time. And uh, I'll let you go. Thank you very much. Absolutely, Darren. Anytime, buddy. Thank you. Thank you.
And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 